Happy October, everybody. Welcome back to the Cinebums podcast. Um, I hope you guys are having a great October um, and watching a lot of horror movies. I know I'm certainly am trying to, um, but we're going to be releasing all like Halloween related podcasts this month. So look out for all that stuff. And today we have a super random episode. I don't even know how to set it up, but I kind of threw it together last second. And my buddy, Mike, who's been on the podcast before, agreed to join. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Great to have you back. I greatly appreciate the impromptu uh, uh, response to come on um, and just talk random horror stuff. Um, and I know you came up with one of the topics today. Um, I think we both came up with one each. So we're just going to kind of just gush about horror. Um, so we're going to be doing like visually stunning horror movies, which um, in you know in every Cinebums video nowadays we do top five. So we're going to be doing top five vi- visually stunning horror. And then our top five favorites horror performances um which is a great category which honestly could be an episode in and of itself um but mike how are you doing today how, thank you for coming on by the way how are you how are you doing man i'm doing pretty well thank you thank you for asking i'm um very excited to share my picks today i think i came up some came up with some pretty good ones you know just some personal favorites um mm-hmm. honestly, i don't consider these like the be all end all of like their you know um separate like categories like visually stunning and hard and like uh performances Th- these are just like movies that like um i really love i really enjoy and i'd love to share what i feel are like the most visually stunning and what are some of my personal favorite performances so ready yeah. to go ready to go absolutely i i'm in the same boat like i didn't really pick you know what you'd find on everybody's top five lists per se or like you know the sight and sound horror list or whatever uh i kind of just pick personal choices and movies that are like lesser known more like independent horror movies that need more shine just kind of kind of spotlight them and you know i you, there's stuff like the shining and hereditary that have been talked about to death anyway and i just didn't really want to add on to the to the discourse or the or whatever so but before we get into the list, I just wanted to ask you, I don't think you and I have ever talked about horror movies generally, um, but what's like your relationship to horror? Are you a, are you like a major fan or is it more of a casual horror fan? Like what's your what's your take on horror, Mike? I'm a, I'm a huge horror fan, honestly. Like I can't really remember like the exact moment. I mean, I fell in love with them, but I'm very like open to like really any horror movie, like good, bad. I just I feel like the thrill. Mm-hmm of horror like uh being on edge like um it's just it's really just a rush and especially with like friends you know and um i don't know just pushing your limits it, it's it's great it's like a roller coaster and um mm-hmm. so um especially during like a halloween time that's like obviously mm-hmm. the, the ultimate time for horror movies and really the month where i just go all out trying to find new stuff um I've, I've had already like a, a week of some pretty good picks. Uh, for nice. example, I just saw uh, Piggy for the first time, which is actually a very recent, like a horror movie from Spain. I yeah. really enjoyed that one. That's one I actually really recommend. I won't cool. go on it too much, but that was a really good pick I found recently. Um, good, like coming of age horror movie, kind of Texas Chainsaw like. So, right. but yeah, I'm like always like on the on the hunt for like something good, just like you know the next thrill. So. I love horror. It's probably one of my favorite genres, I'd say. Oh, wow. Good to know. Yeah, I'm similar to you where it kind of stemmed from just the thrill 
um, and the exhilaration of finding something that actually terrifies me. And like, and you mentioned like watching it with friends and stuff. I feel like the communal group ex- experience, especially when I was like middle school, high school days, you know, having to sleep over with your friends and like discovering, you know, a certain horror movie that really fucks us all up was such a joy uh, and got got me really into the genre. And I talked about this last episode, but it really was a gateway to, to you know, more uh, just world cinema for one, but just more sophisticated movies because like horror movies kind of stem um, from just a lot of earlier classic films that you, you know, that you could point to. And I feel like a lot of it was a gateway to like discovering other filmmakers and, and, and other, you know, John Carpenter and Wes Craven and all those people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a super fan too. So I'm glad we could, we can agree on that. And I, and I agree October's great. And it's like the greatest month to just binge a ton of horror movies and just, you know, all that good stuff. Totally. It's an amazing season. And uh, yeah, I completely yeah. Uh, sympathize like with the experience of, you know, watching a horror movie with friends. Um, particularly mm-hmm. my favorite is just like showing a horror movie to your friends. I mean, that they haven't seen and like kind of like yeah. what's coming. I, I, I think there's like no better feeling in mm-hmm. cinema. And um, yeah, I completely agree with um, that sentiment that it like, you know, exposes you to many different like, um, <clears throat> like subgenres and like uh, movements in cinema, mm-hmm. like art house, um, like def- definitely like different like new waves and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, French extremity as an example. Yeah. Um, it's great. There's so much out there that um, you can discover. And it's it's just I don't know, one of the most exciting genres to me. It's always a, a joy to talk about. Yeah. I don't think I would have ever taken the leap to, you know, delve into someone like David Lynch or Gaspar Noé because, you know, I feel like a lot of a good entry point to them is, you know, just horror itself Um, because their their stuff's more abstract and, you know, artsy, for lack of a better word. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're I mean, we agree on that. I feel like it's a great uh uh, especially when you're like susceptible to a lot of movies at a young age, it's just such an accessible genre. Um, and if you're adventurous, you watch a lot of weird shit like I did when I was, when I was younger. So, um, anyway, uh, that's really all the table setting I, I had, but, uh, I guess, do you want to do the visually stunning, um, category or the performance category first? I'm pretty open on either one. Yeah, I'm pretty open. Um, why don't we do, uh, like visually stunning first? I sure that'll be fun to start off with um yeah so yeah, yeah. Do first, sir do you want me to go first you are my guest sir uh kick us off uh, it, cool. five to one or one to five did you rank them in like most stunning to least stunning or anything like that no this it's yeah. just mainly like i just compiled like you know five movies that i feel mm. are very visually stunning <clears throat> no particular same, same here so yeah that's i'll start at one and go to five then i guess cool all right so um I guess I'll start on one too. Um, nothing entirely new, but um, this is a movie that I've, I, it's pretty popular. It's an A24 horror film um, that most of us know and love. Under the Skin is going to be my first pick because I think the direction in this movie, like the the visual idea, like the visual terror of this movie is just really just amazing. And uh, one of a kind, just super uh, psychedelic, and just very trippy. I think that, I mean, most of what you need to say about this movie has been said like a million times, but uh, it's uh, like an absolutely terrifying experience, but like visually it's just so, 
sublime and just so beautiful to like watch um even if like a lot of it like doesn't make sense on like the first try you just you're just mm-hmm. sucked into this i don't know it's it's so it's so it's such a cold experience at first you're like what is going on but it is beautiful like the use of colors and like like whites and uh blacks especially in like those uh if you haven't seen the movie a uh, little bit of spoiler like the i don't know the scenes where you know like scarlett johansson is like doing her thing are just like terrifying and just super mysterious but like uh i don't know they're incredibly unique and um jonathan glazer i mean as a director i absolutely have my eyes on we have zone of interest coming mm-hmm. uh, this year obviously which is not going to be a horror movie but um his visual style just from this movie alone really just makes me a fan of his and um just has me wondering whatever he's going to do next um so yeah under the skin is going to be my first pick because it is visually amazing Oh my god, yeah. Uh well in our 2010s episode that was that made our top 10 for greatest films of the 2010s decade. I think one of the best films of the century personally. Um and I totally agree. Like the sort of the washed out sort of white sequences um which where she's luring men in is like one of the most striking visual pieces of cinema that I could remember. Um and Glazer is just such a alluring filmmaker to begin with like all of his movies Sexy Beasts birth under the skin and i can't wait for his own of interest also um he's such a distinct style that really lulls you in he's kind of like a i almost look at his movies as like really musical like they kind of hypnotize you and draw you in, in such a profound way um and under the skin i think of all his films you know we haven't seen out of interest yet I, but i feel like under the skin is like his most visually accomplished um and just downright fucking terrifying movies so i'm glad you you brought that up um absolutely i uh, haven't seen uh, admittedly that's the only glazer movie i have seen i i'm mm. really dying to see like sexy beast and um like even birth with nicole kidman but um yeah the visual style of this movie when i first saw it was really just i mean i saw that i remember watching the trailer like a million times when it came when i'm sorry when this movie first came out and really wanted wanted to see it in the theater i never did. saw it years later um, but it had such a like a profound impact on me. Like it was so mysterious, just like so cosmic, like really unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, and um, you can't forget like the sound design of this movie definitely like, adds to like the, just the oh, visual, yeah. just like mystery of this movie. It's just, yeah. um, just the two together really create just such a, a one of a kind experience. I think a really terrifying one for sure. And Mika Levy's score has to be mentioned is like, incredible orchestral stuff going on um yeah i i can't say enough about glazer i think he's one of our greatest living filmmakers um i'd be interested to know when you watch sexy beasts and birth because they're just so drastically different from uh from under the skin and obviously if you've seen his music videos he's such a he's such an innovator um the music video for uh freaking um karma police, for karma police yeah. yeah like I, I i do know he has like a, a background in like uh, music videos i actually do yeah. have another movie um in my stack that does come funny enough from a music video director original oh nice yeah, so so, that one. So, yeah funny coincidence but uh yeah yeah love this movie i think it's mm. i don't think it's perfect I, I do think it is a little slow at parts but sure. like when this movie is on like when it's at its weirdest, it's really is unforgettable stuff. So I think it's definitely worth a mention, even as 
much as like a lot of us know and love the movie, I think it's Kanko talking about like visually stunning horror movies without matching under the skin at least once. Absolutely. Um, it definitely crossed my mind when I when I was thinking about it. Um, so it's a great pick. And I'm glad you mentioned A24 Horror because my first pick is also in that vein. Um, and a similar to yours also has been talked about just so much, but I, it's just something I had to bring up. And that is Robert Eggers' The Witch, The Vich, um, the which the the, the um, which is a film I love, and I think a lot of the horror community loves. Obviously, um, I think this is just one of the most stunning horror debuts of all time. I think he developed this certain visual style of like this desaturated, bleak world of you know early Americana that's just so. I just remember so many different shots from this movie that are imprinted on my brain and just the way this movie washes over you, not to mention, you know, incredible performances and, and very specific writing, but the way he just kind of strings uh, this world together is just so masterful for a first time director. Um, obviously, he's gone down to do pretty masterful stuff, you know, the lighthouse Northman and, every, you know, all that stuff. The witch is still probably my favorite film he's ever touched. I think something about the pure, first experience i had and just the color palettes and the sort of camera movements in this movie just really really drew me in at a really at a time where i was really starting to love film too so it just had like a major major impact impact on me um i just love it so much um and i i similar to glazer like eggers is like one of my guys right now that i'm just so obsessed with and just so happy to see him thriving uh in film especially so um do you have you seen the witch slash do you like the witch shamefully yeah. i have actually not it's the only aggers i haven't seen i've seen the lighthouse oh, wow. the northman nice. and I, I love the lighthouse to death um and i think the northman is really fantastic that's mm. actually that movie has a, a special place in my heart but um mm. i know the the the, the, the witch has uh, <laughs> definitely has a following um and um Obviously, it might. I feel like it might go overshadowed now because, like you said, Eggers has gone on to do bigger and like better. I don't. Know, I don't know. Obviously, in your opinion, you you did say the the witch is your favorite, but like more mm-hmm. ambitious things like the Northman and like the Lighthouse. Um, but his visual style, um, just based on like the Lighthouse and like uh, the Northman with like his like dedication to like um, film stock, especially, I think is yeah. like beautiful. Uh, very like sweeping. Um. I love the way like films like nighttime scenes and uh, stuff like that. So um, I really, I really got to get on uh, the witch cause um, I've known about it for years and um, I love me a good, you know, debut movie, of course, debut yeah. horror, especially. Same here. Uh, lucky for you. They are re-releasing the witch in theaters this month. So really? for, um, and I was going to say also under the skin cause a 24 is doing their horror re-release, I think for AMCs. Um, but it's like the witch, X, uh, Under the Skin, and Midsommar, I think. It's like every Wednesday for the rest of October, so. I had no um, idea about that. I gotta look at, I gotta go catch, like, I don't know, Under the Skin and, like, Midsummer in theaters. A lot of these, like, classic, you know, mm-hmm. like, reform movies, like, we know and love, like, Under the Skin and, like, The Witch, I, I never got to see in theaters, even though mm-hmm. I was aware of them, so make that my duty, for sure. I'd love that, yeah. Shout out to Carlos also. He has a really great story about seeing The Witch in theaters, and not a great story for him because it was like a nightmare, but I always, I'm always like, man, a bad experience. 
yeah. <laughs> it's pretty common um but yeah i i just think a great film um i think the thing with eggers too i feel like his his movies are so well realized and and you know they kind of transcend especially with the lighthouse and the northman like there are like textures and certain like atmospheres that you can almost like taste and touch in his movies because like you said with the cameras and like his commitment to like celluloid and 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 using old cameras you feel it's like you are transported back in all three of those movies personally so um, definitely like those i mean the lighthouse and northman super like visceral experiences like just you feel mm-hmm. like honestly like you need a shower after afterwards as <laughs> possible like i don't know just yeah very textured movies and that's like the beauty of celluloid it just gets like every little detail and just like really transports you like you know to to that to that lighthouse and the lighthouse <laughs> in the north minutes amazing and just i can't wait to see what eggers does next i think he's definitely one of our best up-and-coming filmmakers very ambitious only three movies in and he's crazy I mean, I, again, I still need to see the witch but um <laughs> he's knocking it out of the park totally absolutely um so what's your number two then? My number two. All right. My one and only Criterion movie, I believe. Um, I have to go with a classic, Haosu. This is probably one of my favorite horror comedies. Much like Under the Skin, I think everything that's been said about this movie has been said, but I guess <laughs> you can only hear my, you get to hear my opinion. Um, I love Haosu. It, it it definitely was an adjustment at first because um, remember when I first saw it, I, I had no idea how to feel. Um, I don't think I was entirely aware it was a horror comedy. It, it just didn't take itself. It's one of those movies mm. that doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, but I actually got to see it in theaters with um, my buddy, La, La Souffle, um, Lil Souffle, um, on a really beautiful, like, 35 millimeter uh, showing. Um, and I just really got to take in, really, the that's like the childlike wonder and just, like, beauty that this movie has to offer. It is so funny and so absurd. Yeah, you could say it's like bad, but I think that's what just adds so much of the charm of this movie. Just like the really, because I believe I haven't seen all the special features, but um, to my knowledge, the director of this movie, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the 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 names. Um, it's not, yeah. <laughs> very inspired by like his um like a daughter, his daughter's like um ideas for like um. I don't know, just a story. So, like, there's this very, like, like I said, like, childlike uh, wonder to this movie. It's just very uh, kooky and just, like, out there. Um, colorful. Just super psychedelic stuff. Um, very, very funny. And um, even with, like, the effects, obviously not aging the best, it, it, this is just a very one-of-a-kind movie that you can compare um, to, like, almost just a more, like, psychedelic version of, like, a Sam Raimi movie, like the Evil Dead movies. Mm. I think it's a wonderful movie one of the most visually just like just out there just insane movies i think you can like especially from the 70s just one of the most colorful and just eye-popping um you can get so yeah. my number two is house that's a great sentiment on it like i never thought of that but it is like this psychedelic raimi-esque sort of feeling to it especially with the zaniness and like the kind of slapstick nature of it but at the same time like so visually kind of sumptuous because like there's that technicolor like painted matte backdrops you know when they're kind of going across the countryside and there's like this really cartoonish uh aesthetic to it um i agree like the movie didn't necessarily click with me the first time 
Uh, one, because I was super young and that was like my first Criterion film I ever like went out, seeked out. It was back when Criterion was on Hulu. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and they had their whole catalog on Hulu. Um, and I checked it out on there. But like over time, it's really just, I think it's just a marvel and just like, I'm so glad it exists. Um, and funny enough, I actually saw it in 35 millimeter like two years ago in October. Um, I took my my ex roommate um, to see it for the first time, and just like watching his reactions was such a such a joy. Um, and just, like it just it feels like it was made by just the purest you know uh, filmmakers imaginable because they're just making something like that his daughter would get a kick out of. You know, um, yeah, it's a great pick and and just really good to look at too. Even if like the the effects sometimes don't look so good <laughs> like the I, I don't even care honestly. Is, I, I think yeah. it's so charming kind of like that amateurish quality um you know d- just the effects are just so out there and just like so so yeah. wild um i mean you have like freaking like pianos that like eat people the piano keys like, are like piano, piano keys. <laughs> yeah um like girls like doing karate and stuff like um mm-hmm. obviously like, kung fu kung fu, kung yeah. fu like, that's yeah. her name right yeah it's like kung fu i think right yeah. it happens a while <laughs> i've seen it but just talking about it really makes me want to go back um to check it out because it has been a while i think that showing was like almost like two years ago by this point but mm. um i want to see it for a third time because it, it is a, a real joy to watch and just like a complete ride that was one of the my best theater experiences i've had just in recent memory and um mm-hmm. just really classic just speaks for itself like we all love it for the most part um so just a great movie great movie absolutely um yeah you you covered it well like you were mentioning before like showing your friends horror movies and you know watching their reactions like that's a perfect if you're you know if they're into you know that kind of cinema then it, it definitely works um it's just so fun to watch with a crowd and everything so yeah wonderful pick um and oddly enough i also have my one and only criterion uh for this topic uh up next um it is another stunning horror debut by one of the masters, um, and that is Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero, um, which is, I I, I kind of wanted to choose a black and white one, and I considered the Universal Monster for, uh, movies themselves, and you know, back to like German Expressionism, but I just wanted to talk about something that I'm really passionate about, which is Night of the Living Dead, which is probably in my top five favorite horror movies of all time. Um, to talk on the, the visual style really quick, because there's a lot of other things about this movie that are more fascinating, but this sort of black and white, you know, informal style that this movie has really gives it this like docu feel, um, while at the same time is feels really heightened and sort of exaggerated, um, because it, it feels like the perfect transitional film, sort of like Easy Rider was in 1967, which is like partly the sensibilities of 60s filmmaking but also like this new wave of really independent thought and and new wave of thinking i mean this movie tackles race relations and sexism in a really allegorical way um the 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 uh the way it feels so contained in in this house and everything it's just so masterfully crafted and like every shot is just perfectly framed um it's just gorgeous to to watch and to look at and, and it, it's just timeless in my opinion um it's a horror movie that lives on uh and kind of has inspired other horror movies you know later on to have this sort of socio-political 
message really all of Romero's trilogy has inspired like a generation of like genre filmmakers to use like horror as a way to you know comment on the world um and this really started it all um so yeah um I could talk about this movie for a long time but I I, I just love it so much and just really really the 4k I highly recommend to pick up the 4k and Criterion. it looks fantastic um almost like you're watching like a 35 millimeter print uh at home so have you seen this movie by chance i've seen i have seen it once long time ago probably like early middle school but i do remember i mean really enjoying it and i mean romero he's one of the gods of like uh horror cinema independent cinema and yeah like i don't know what we the whole genre would be uh without him and like um i, I didn't even think about that like the way he incorporates like those like uh, political messages into his movie they're like deeper than just your run of the mill like um undead movie like that's just a lot more thoughtful mm-hmm. and, um, but uh, yeah i mean i'm a huge fan of like uh independent horror movies especially like the kind of like those homegrown um just homespun um types of movies they can uh tell there's like a lot of heart uh put into them and yeah. uh, I, I i definitely wasn't old enough i think to appreciate like night of the living dead when i first saw it but um i absolutely I'm willing to give it a rewatch because it it is just super groundbreaking just in every way. It just speaks for itself. It really does. I mean, similar to what you said about how zoo it's been talked about a lot. Um, but I think honestly does get lost in the shuffle with the, you know, Dawn of the dead and day of the dead are a little more rewatchable for, for horror fans. But I think night of the living dead is just one of the most groundbreaking horror movies and such a tight, you know, perfectly constructed movie. Um, uh and yeah and like you said about foundation like i feel like it's like psycho and this movie are really what kickstarted especially american horror uh like the new wave of you know like all the movies we loved in the 70s so i like to always like trace things back to the to the source and like what kind of jump started everything so yeah great pick foundational like you said thank you thank you um okay we can move on to your next one if you'd like Awesome. Yeah. Um, so this one is a little bit of a curveball because I do consider this a horror movie, but it is a claymation movie that um, has gone oh, nice. um, over the uh, past couple of years um, just because of how just insane this movie is. My number three is The Wolf House. This is a movie mm-hmm. I discovered. I don't even think it was in the Discord uh, when I discovered this movie, um, but it looked so interesting to me. Uh, I just I had to seek it out. It's a little hard to find at the time. I this was like 2020, uh, but this movie is really unlike any claymation movie I've seen. It is super terrifying, but not in the way you'd expect, where it's just like jump scares and like gore. This is just a very uh, psychological, just very deeply disturbing, um, just horror movie, just at a horror animation. Um, just based on the like the visual style alone, because um the whole movie it essentially looks like it's uh, shot in one take, and um mm-hmm. uh, th- this DVD is awesome because it does kind of give you a glimpse into like how they photographed um like a lot of the claymation sequences with like like full like life size figures and just this, like a uh, just a big house that they were using. Um, but the visual the visual style of this movie, how like um just all the characters are just like constantly just like melting just essentially into the environments, smelting it to each other. Um, how the, how the story uh, progresses uh, through ma- mainly narration. There's no like actual dialogue in this movie. I'm, I haven't seen it in a bit, but to, um, to my knowledge, it is all narration. 
that takes place around the time of World War II. Um, but uh, it, it captures the time very well. It's kind of like a retelling of like the story of the three little pigs with like a, a political twist. Um, yes, the visual style of this movie is like unlike any claymation movie I've seen. It, it really, I don't know, it just feels like something that just come out of like a mental asylum. It, it's so unsettling, but like really oddly beautiful at the same time. There's some sequences that um do just get under your skin but there are also some that the claymation just shows so much beauty in and um i just it's it's really it's a very hard movie to describe if you haven't uh seen but it is i'd say deeply terrifying but at the same time really just like an oddly beautiful movie a little bit overlooked i'd say that it has fans. i know like a lot of us in the, the discord very much love it um but for anyone who who's like not in the Discord who hasn't heard of this movie, it's absolutely worth uh, seeking out since it it is very short. But um, I think it's unlike any claymation movie you're gonna see, and definitely one of the more unsettling and like visually just arresting ones. That's my it's my number three, the, the Wolf House. Mm. I I have to admit I actually haven't seen it yet. Um, I know it's it's been on my list for a while. I know you guys have talked about it a lot and and sung its praises so um i will definitely check it out um i don't feel like claymation is a great tool to sort of make these kind of creepily you know horror movies that aren't necessarily horror movies on the surface like i think about mad god that came out a few years ago was it was a very terrifying kind of uh sensory experience so i really would love to check out the wolf house too um God is one I, I really wanted to uh see. Um actually that's a good comparison. It's kind of like um I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen the trailer for like Mad God in a while, but I, I do get kind of like the same vibes. It's really like very, mm-hmm. very, very creepy, very twisted. I know Mad God is like a lot more like explosive. Um, yeah. yeah. Now the Wolf House it, it's pretty laid back. Like there's nothing like that. This is a booklet. It comes in. This DVD is actually pretty cool. It's nice. Like, kind of like um some like drawings in there. Um, oh damn it's gorgeous yeah, it's a pretty yeah it's like a pretty sweet uh, D- uh dvd booklet without spoiling too much but mm-hmm. uh, that's the point like um mad god is like a good point of reference um for like just kind of the more like adult oriented um kind of pretty thought-provoking this movie does have a lot to say about like um like the mistreatment of like um like certain groups in like world war ii and like uh really awful um like death camps like war camps mm-hmm. it's um it's, it's it the whole like um framing device of this movie is like kind of like a propaganda piece um that i won't go too far into it but it kind of like um it's a very unique framing device that obviously it doesn't condone anything but um <laughs> just gives it this very unsettling edge like you're just watching this old like film reel that um i don't know i've just just a horrible time in history because to my knowledge a lot of the stuff in this movie did like um happen um right but yes but the visual style of this movie is indescribable and just really just really insane and just rem- quite remarkable i'd say wow that really pushes me to want to watch it this i'll probably check it out this october um and yeah that's that's a great that's a great sentiment about it and a lot of uh i think a lot of movies based around world war war ii cleverly use that as a prism to tell a really horrific kind of hu- very human stories you know i mean like i think of grave of the fireflies which is not a horror movie 
Um, but I do. I am a sucker for that sort of framing device, so I will definitely, definitely check that out sometime. Oh, it's definitely worth worth seeing again. It's not a commitment at all. At all. It's like a seventy minute movie, but yeah, uh, yeah. Seventy. I'd say seventy minutes really well spent. It's awesome. Totally. Yeah. I'll I'll put it on my list. Um, okay. So fair warning that my next three are pretty obscure. I don't even have a DVD for them, but. I I, I want to shout them out nonetheless. And the first of the three, my number three, um, is a movie called The Devil's Candy from 2015. Have you heard of this movie, perchance, Mike? Um, I don't think I have, actually. You, you might just have to give me a little bit. I might, yeah, maybe I'll jog your memory when I talk about the plot and everything. But it's a 2015 horror movie that was directed by Sean Byrne, who's an Australian sort of new wave horror movie. He did a movie called The Loved Ones, which is sort of a torture um horror comedy movie which i really enjoy uh but the devil's candy is a movie he made uh with american actors and it basically centers around this painter who moves to a really really remote countryside house with his family um and he's uh uh has you know i don't know what you call it for a painter but he's having creative blocks where he can't paint but suddenly he starts getting possessed by an unknown entity and he's painting these really striking satanic paintings all the while while going insane um so it's very reminiscent of the shining um and i always call it the the, the 21st century shining and his daughter is a metalhead so this movie has like a really great metal aesthetic to it um there's constantly sort of metal music blaring in the background and it's just like the coolest stylistic choice you could imagine for a movie like this um the frames are just like painterly as you could imagine because it's based on around a painter and um ethan embry who's mainly you would know if you watch a lot of 90s movies he was in like empire records and that thing you do and all this stuff but he's like insanely good and terrifying in this movie as the father um like i said it's it's very much like a 21st century shining um uh, homage which normally I don't always love, but like this movie is such a, like its own entity and such a insanely compelling, fun, cool horror movie that's just visually like I think is one of the best looking horror movies of the 21st century and made for like no less than what, like probably like two million bucks. And yeah, I just want to spotlight it because I think it's so underrated and, um, you know, kind of has this metal aesthetic, like a lot is a lot of gothic devilish imagery that's just really really striking um yeah that's about it uh it it, it should be, be streaming somewhere so like if you guys want to check out a really underappreciated movie especially if you're into metal music this is like the movie for you um just just super compelling and really really cool um yeah i love that like that yeah. i mean definitely sold me on it when you did mention like the metal aesthetic like the movie that kind of came to mind first was like uh something like mandy which yeah it's not on my list unfortunately since um it, i i'm not as like um attached to it but like um me neither yeah. like mandy also has like a huge metal aesthetic and that movie is visually like incredible i mean incredible yeah. movie, super colorful movie mm-hmm. definitely visually arresting but i'd absolutely uh be down to check out like devil's candy i think that's very interesting the the fact that you can uh compared to the shining even though you're like oh, i was a little hesitant i mean it was freaking cool like i, I love the shining i mean of course me too yeah, yeah. You know, definitely 
I throw that probably on my Halloween playlist because it, it is growing. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 80 minutes too. It's such an easy sell. Like you can knock it out. Like like you were saying with Wolf House, just such a quick engrossing watch. So yeah, I, I just, I can't recommend it enough, especially if you're a, a horror, I'm a fan of more uh, abstract horror movies. I, I, I'll say. Um, That's definitely my thing. And speaking <laughs> of which, I'd love to get to my, um, Number four, which is also there, I think we're kind of like on the same wavelength. Where, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like an abstract horror movie, a very underrated one. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're like a Discord friend, you're probably gonna get a a little bit of a kick out of this one. But I really wanted to shine a light on this. Um, next oh, movie. I can't um, wait to hear it. It's, so my number four is gonna be uh, a, a Mexican horror movie from 2016 called We Are the Flesh. Now. Th- this movie is, put it saying this movie is insane. It's just putting it very lightly. Um, this is this is a very extreme horror movie. Not not one that all is universally loved. This is kind of um a divisive one. But uh, I wanted to shine a light on this movie because um it is just so visually arresting and like unlike really anything I've seen like in the past. I don't know decade i mean i i, I kind of compare this movie to gaspar noe and like um with like um its use of like uh spinning cameras and like mm. um just a very extreme content but this movie also um like a kind of like reeks of like a hotaroski um and like its abstractness uh there's just a lot of imagery in this movie that you're like what is going on like what am i looking at but it is so like captivating and um so just so like mind melting and like yeah it's it's kind of a lot of the movie is kind of based around like shock value and like it is kind of gross but like that there this is also a debut movie i this director i'm not even gonna pronounce his name um hasn't made anything like since this movie came out but i can't wait to see what he does next because um if you have if you haven't heard of this movie it's just so hard to put into words like just kind of the, the initial impact it leaves on you like it it is just so shocking but it is just so visually like it's just its own thing even though there is like obviously influences from like Hodorowsky and like Gaspar Noe um mm. uh, like under the skin like Haosu it just has this really incredible psychedelic edge um to it in certain parts like really just incredible uses of like reds and like blues um so yeah, I just wanted to shout out like uh We Are the Flesh for like uh my number four pick Cool. I, I again, one that's been on my list for a long time that I unfortunately haven't gotten to. Um, it looks crazy. It looks just visually just such a tremendously uh, unique movie from like the stills that I've seen from it. Um, yeah, just looks really arresting. So I, I would love to put that on my list for this October. Um, what in the discord are people like super mixed on it? I kind of forget about that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. not exactly i'd say i mean most of uh, at least some of my like um like discord buddies like really do like this movie so, some of I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna call my names but like um some of us <laughs> don't really aren't so crazy about it because it is kind of like you're either like with the ride or you're not like it is very shocking and very graphic so that does turn off some people um but if you can stick with it it's also again like the wolf house super short like 70 minutes it's not a commitment at all I, I think it's a 70 minutes that you should definitely 
take the ride with uh if you can handle it because it is is so out there but just so like just visually just unforgettable like i just, mm. I, just really just i just really think about it a lot just some of the images there's one scene like involving infrared infrared like uh vision like thermal vision that is one of the craziest things i've seen in like years i'm not gonna get into it but um pretty unforgettable movie at least in my opinion i know it's not everyone's bag but um, I want to shine a light on it because I think it is a little overlooked. Sure, you you really sold me. I might put that on like within the next few days because it seems like I just want to know what the fuss is about at this point because I know it's been talked about quite a few times. So, um, yeah, that's a great that's a good one. Um, so I I will go with my number four. Um. I'm going to talk about Toby Hooper really quick and not, not the one that you might think. Um, I've talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre quite a few times on this podcast. It's my favorite horror movie of all time, but I want to talk about a movie that he did right after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's insane. It's called eaten alive. Um, and it's such a simple premise. I like, I describe it as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but at a hotel and if it wasn't Leatherface doing the killing, it's alligators doing the killing. That's so okay. basically, this guy, I don't know if, how much you know about this film, but the guy uh, who owns this motel has a whole pool of alligators outside of the hotel. And basically, his aim is to kind of feed them the guests of the hotel. Um, and it's this very dilapidated, kind of broken down uh, uh, hotel. And... Like this movie is such a sensory experience, kind of like Texas Chainsaw, where it just kind of it, there's so much visual uh, uh, risks that this movie takes because it's kind of just so experimental in its presentation. Um, like this movie just has so much red light just like beaming over this entire movie. And it kind of adds this like uh, this feeling of just sickness that just washes over you as this movie goes on. Um, it's kind of what you're saying of we are the flesh. Like it's, it's, it's a little unrelenting and hard to recommend to people because it's just kind of an unpleasant watch watch. Um, but to me, Toby Hooper is one of the more like visually inventive, uh, horror filmmakers, especially in the seventies. Um, and he was just pushing the boundaries of like what scares audience members. And I think he understands that it is like this sensory experience that you remember things visually and you remember sounds and you remember certain imagery that just really sticks with you. And, and, and this movie really has that. It's just, just such a terrifying um, uh, kind of visual feast of just, just people being terrorized for about like 90 minutes. Um, but it just looks incredible. If you're into that sort of grimy Southern uh, aesthetic that he, you know, kind of presented with, uh, Texas Chainsaw. So yeah, that's my number four. Um, have you that's, heard of it or like? No, like um, I'm kind of a noob to Toby Hooper. Um, I love Texas Chainsaw. I, I'd go as far as to say like Texas Chainsaw is definitely one of my all time favorite horror movies. I was considering putting that on the visually uh stunning list. Uh, kind of a curveball, but I just I decided not to. But um, yeah, the visual style just of Texas Chainsaw alone is incredible. That like. Just, we all know and love it that just disgusting just grimy like a 16 millimeter look um yep. but like the, the way you describe eating alive uses like the color red and it's like more experimental i'd love to see that because um 
like in Texas Chainsaw, I love um, Toby Hooper's like editing, um, his use of like um, colors mm-hmm. for like the landscape, the way he captures like um, kind of like just these like backwoods America. It's just like really beautiful to me, just very uh, naturalistic, but um, yeah. Just, just add that you just add so much of the atmosphere just from the photography so yeah i'm i'm absolutely interested and in, um uh you know i just uh, based on your uh praise for it yeah that's a great way of describing it too because like texas chainsaw is that very naturalistic almost docu style of you know this might have actually happened it's like it feels like an artifact that you like discover of, of this real event and like uh, in alive is more like pastiche and 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 artificial in a way it, it it feels really super heightened, but it has that backwoods feel kind of mixed with this experimental, almost want to say like Italian horror influence. Um, Wait, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just, uh, like, honestly, as much as like Argento and Suspiria would sort of light a sequence, he kind of takes inspiration um, and definitely in a more Southern American style. But um, I just highly recommend this movie. I think it, it's not a very pleasant watch, and it'd be hard to recommend to certain people. But if you like Toby Hooper and if you like TCM, then I think you would you would definitely uh, be into this. So totally sounds yeah. amazing. But honestly, <clears throat> it's great. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you want to finish this off with your number five? Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. So my number five, um, I do on this one is a German horror movie from um. The year 1983, um, Angst. Oh, um, nice. Love yeah, that one. This is a pretty popular movie. I think most of um, the viewers have like, seen this one. But uh, this movie is super groundbreaking just for its cinematography alone. I forget exactly what the camera um, – like, I know there is a name for it. Like, the, if you've seen the movie, you know, like, the camera setup that's uh, yeah. facing um, – like the protagonist uh it's it's just like uh trailing him and like um all he can see is just him mm-hmm. um almost like i don't know if you see like a spike lee movie how it just kind of like moves uh with the actor yeah that yeah. that camera technique in this movie adds so much and um just uh brings this movie to a new level of terror i'd say um i haven't seen it in a while but uh the just the the way this movie puts you in the perspective of like this deranged killer, just like kind of doing its thing, just makes you just like, as the viewer, just feel like you are going mad yourself. And um, like, you you just can't escape. Like you are just locked into this uh, freaking psychopath's uh, perspective. And it is just super compelling. Like um, it's a very short, doesn't overstay its welcome at all. And it's not, it's not like it's super colorful or like super flashy. If you haven't seen the movie, it's just the way like, this the directing in this movie is really like out of this world uh unique and um even like uh right here like that like literally gaspar noe um calls this movie like one of the masterpieces of like horror you can tell like that this movie really did have a tremendous impact on him on like his visual style oh um, for sure yeah. kind of like um that that um uh like way of directing where you just feel like you're going mad yourself just just very claustrophobic very locked in it's incredible and um just a super visceral like there there's this this just one of the most bleak horror movies you're gonna get mm. also just one of the most visually arresting without being like super colorful it's just um you gotta see it if you haven't because it is just really a, a wild ride and um one of the i think one of my well probably one of my favorite like german horror movies if not my favorite biggest but mm. that's not really saying much because i haven't seen <laughs> Um, not many, but uh, this is awesome, and I highly recommend it if you haven't already seen it. <laughs> I second everything you said. I think that's uh, that's an incredibly 
internal, you know, just exploration into hell uh, really is the way I always describe it. Um, and I'm glad you we've been talking a lot about, you know, just textures and color palettes and, you know, visual styles and stuff. But like this really is like camera. The language of the camera is really what puts it over the top. Um, and like it is that like deeply penetrating sort of feel to it uh, where you kind of are kind of being catapulted into like this guy's psyche and yeah like the, I, I i haven't seen it in quite a while either but i have distinct memories of just being just trapped with this man is in these really long takes where you're kind of like just sort of gliding with him like you feel like maybe my interpretation was like you feel like you're his conscious or some you know in some way because he's having this internal monologue and you feel like yeah. maybe we're the monologue in some sort of way you know and like the director is in some sort of way it's just so fascinating and like i'm glad i didn't think of it in terms of visual style um but like it is really stunning and what they uh achieved with that movie for sure so totally you can't yeah. you cannot forget obviously like the the lead actor um his performance mm. the, the movie is just basically just him just up close the whole time and you get obviously pretty much there's pretty much no dialogue in this movie like it's it no. is all the internal dialogue like uh, an internal monologue um, so I, I think it's like one of the really one of the grittiest and just um just most relentless uh viewpoints of a serial killer just ever put to film. Um one of the most unique to also like the soundtrack to this movie is freaking fantastic. Uh uh Tangerine Dream, I believe, did the the score for this movie. Oh wow. And, yeah, it's very, very yeah. synthy, very, very just bone chilling. Um just such a unique horror movie. Definitely one if you consider yourself a horror fan if you haven't seen it's absolutely a must-see it's one of the most unique ones out there i definitely agree so my number five um is i don't i i would wager that you have not heard of this movie um but um it's a film called wendigo by yeah. larry fezzedin fezzedin um <laughs> yeah it's pretty pretty below the line um but Larry Fezzedin is, I think, I always call him sort of the John Cassavetes of like new age horror. Um, not only has he directed just really groundbreaking small independent horror movies based out of New York, but he's like produced a lot. He shows up in a lot of like young filmmakers movies. Um, he actually produced Kelly Reichardt's early few movies. So that's kind of how I discovered him. Um, he, he acts in her original film, Rivers of Grass, too. Um but uh, he directed a film called Wendigo in 2001. Um, and actually, on, honestly, I kind of picked this in honor of you, Mike, because I know you like 16 millimeter cinematography a lot. And this movie is one of the most gorgeous uses of 16 millimeter uh, that I remember. It's basically about a family that kind of is on the run or they're, they're leaving New York City for some reason. And they move to this remote area, um, which is discovered that it's on... Uh, the land of uh, an Indian burial ground that's cursed. Um, so, and which sounds like a very basic premise, but it kind of delves pretty deep into like genocide and the horrors of that and sort of like the repercussions that um, uh, that the settlers never really uh, faced. And it kind of uses that metaphor in modern day in a modern day sense which i find like super fascinating uh when you watch the movie and obviously the 60 millimeter aspect you know kelly reichardt does it and i feel like larry fezzedin um is kind of he, he kind of i don't know if 
he I know he mentored her. I don't know if he gave her like that idea to make movies like that feel super grounded and almost uh, uh, real life with that 60 millimeter feel. But um, I just love him and, and Kelly Reichardt's sensibilities. And, you know, to see it done in horror, um, like in this movie is super fascinating. And, um, you know, maybe not everyone's sort of first instinct when they think of visually stunning cinema. But to me, like 16 millimeter photography uh, as this sense of just, you know, realism and, and, and authenticity and spontaneity in the movie. And I think it's just such a cool, uh, wonderful usage of it in this movie. Um, so uh, it's on Tubi if you guys want to check it out. It's a really it's esoteric nice. movie, um, but it, it is really thought provoking, really gorgeous um, and, and and pretty groundbreaking on, on really shoestring uh, budget. So, yeah, that's that's my final uh, 16 millimeter uh, sort of celebration there. Awesome. I mean, I've, I've never remotely heard of this movie, but um, <laughs> obviously knowing how much you love Kelly Reichardt and like kind of hearing how this movie, like, I mean, seems like it paved the way a little bit. Um, that you sold me on it. Um, I I completely agree. Like 16 millimeter photography, um, especially with in horror movies, obviously, like we were just talking about Texas Chainsaw, it just adds like that to that docu like docu feel. That documentary field just uh breaks the movie to life um just makes it all the more immersive and just like kind of like terrifying um i love that stuff and um i'm mm-hmm. definitely interested in seeing what it's all about now uh for myself i i, I may have heard of it i'm not sure i'll check after the episode but uh yeah. that's awesome i mean to me yeah i mean i'm not surprised like the again very few people have heard of this movie i'm just a nerd and i go in on the uh, rabbit holes of like you know, discovering filmmakers and like who are their contemporaries, stuff like that. Um, so, but I think I think you would get a lot out of it, particularly because you you like that sixteen millimeter style. Um, yeah. And seeing it done in you know obviously Texas Chainsaw, but like in a more because this movie was like from two thousand one, so it's to see it in like a more modern sense is is pretty interesting. Uh, and enough, the the kid in this movie is is from Malcolm in the Middle. He's like plays Dewey and Malcolm oh, in the really? middle so yeah weird to <laughs> see him hilarious. in like an artsy horror movie from 2001 so it's pretty it's pretty wild thing to exist so uh definitely you know call the arms check this movie out oh. um yeah man i mean that that really concludes the, the the first topic so um those are our picks for the most visually stunning horror movies in our eyes um there's obviously so many that we miss, you know, that people are going to, you know, comment about the shining or Suspiria, but really, you know, we just kind of wanted to do our own personal lists in, you know, in certain respects. And I feel like probably the same with the next topic, which is performances, um, which I don't know what your take is, but like, I feel like an underrated aspect of horror is, you know, the actors in them um, because they do, they are like our entry points and our, you know, kind of our surrogate to being terrified in certain respects, you know, less so in more of the experimental stuff. But I, I find it really exciting to find a really great horror performance, you know, that that reaches the levels of maybe an Oscar worthy performance in some respects. So like, um, like, what was your thought process, I guess, when you were making the the top five for this? Just really, um, I don't really have like a criteria. Just like, um, I'm, I mean, performance in a movie, regardless of genre, is just one of my one of my favorite aspects. I think one of the most important aspects of a movie to really like sell, you know, the atmosphere, like the storyline, um, 
just really immerses you just so much more when an actor really is giving it uh, their all. And the five I've chosen are, are, are just really personal favorites. And um, Me too. some of them are more legendary than others. Uh, but these are these are like the five I've chosen are like performances that really haven't made me forget like each and every one of these movies and have um, kind of, uh, I don't know, made me as like almost provided me like a window into the world. You know, these movies. Yeah, absolutely. You want to kick us off then? Yeah, totally. All right. My number four, five. Wait, sorry, number one or number five. I'll start number five. Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do that. A very um, like little scene horror movie from I believe I don't even know probably like two two thousand three two thousand four uh May the performance in question is um this actress Angela Bettis sorry if I mispronounced that um yes this is a very little scene movie has a, a bit of a cult following uh because this is just a very unique movie but um it works so well because of this lead actress this is a movie. Kind of like about social awkwardness, kind of being an outcast. To put it very lightly, the main character in this movie is very, very disturbed. You get a lot of very interesting backstory just from the opening scene alone to kind of um, uh, get us a glimpse into her world that's very, very twisted and very disturbing, but it works so well. There's a lot of very absurd stuff going on in this movie. Um involving like dolls and like animals like dead animals and stuff like that that in another performance could just have been so campy and so over the top and um but it's not in this movie it's actually amazing like this this actress i have never seen her in anything else i don't know if she did anything besides Mm. this but uh this actress did such an incredible job of kind of giving us uh, a perspective of like that just super just outcast just almost i'd almost go as far as to say like a freak because she kind of is she's very disturbed um but seeing her evolution in this movie is something to behold because um there's a lot she goes through involving like a relationship that just does not go very well um and as the movie just progresses it, her performance and just just escalates so much you just see the cracks starting to form and um it really does culminate in quite an ending like quite a finale um that's really incredible but it's not all super serious there is a lot of humor that she puts into her performance a lot of really just like very like almost like i'd almost say like cringe humor and like comedy just like just based on her performance her performance like the way she acts um in front of like other characters it's it's super compelling and it just if you have not seen this movie i'd i'd see it for i would recommend it for this performance alone because it is very very underrated and um she did an incredible job angela bettis in may Hmm. i shit you not mike this is actually on my list to watch this october because i've not seen it um and i have a few friends in particular that adore this movie so based on your uh your sentiment there like it's for sure going to be watched this october so i cannot wait um that filmmaker lucky mcgee who directed that movie is a really wild career like post may like a really he was managing to to get these horror movies made like period piece horror movies so i've I've wanted to delve into his movies for a long time in may i've heard nothing but great things about like the performance and just kind of that you know really unique take on that sort of outcast you know almost in like the vein of carrie it sounds like to me i could be wrong but like yeah, that's kind the, of, 
I think a pretty good comparison, I'd say. Mm. Just kind of like one of those performances where you just see like just this person that just been like completely outcast from yeah. like just, has, does not have a place in society, just um just completely falling apart. But you also feel like sorry for her in the movie. There mm-hmm. there's a lot of sympathy and like life to it. So it's not just like a, a freak show of a, of, a, of of a performance. There's a lot of humanity in it and um it's great. It's a very mm-hmm wonderful and three-dimensional performance and just just a really mm-hmm. good movie like very little scene I, this movie made like no money at the box office so i'd, I'd highly suggest it if, it if it is on your list it absolutely is I, I i have horror friend friends that love horror that like that's one of their favorite horror movies of like the 2000s so it's always been like high on my list um and the weird sidebar but i always confuse this movie with the movie frida with Selma Hayek because there's very really? similar posters. Yeah, yeah it, it might just be me, but I always confuse I those it. those movies for some reason. Um, but but for sure, you so I cannot wait to see it based on what everyone has told me at this point. So it's it's long overdue, and I can't wait to see her her performance in particular uh, at this point. So nice. Okay, um, we're going to five to one. So my number five, I'm actually somewhat cheating. Right off the bat, because I have two performances in one film, um, but whatever. Um, I'm gonna I'll talk about them both pretty briefly. Um, it is from the Palm Door winner of 2021, I believe. Um, one of my favorite movies of the 20th century, uh, 21st century is Titan, mm-hmm. and Agatha Roussel and Vincent London's performances, I think, are absolutely incredible in this movie. Um. Agatha Roussel, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not French. I can't really do the those affectations super well. But she was a relatively unknown actress. I believe Julia Ducourneau casted her based on her look. And I, I know she was a model beforehand. Um, and just the emotional and physical journey that she goes on as a character is quite stunning. Um, and a lot of it, you know, similar to what you're talking about angst in a weird way, it kind of rests on her shoulders i feel like the camera rarely leaves her her face in this movie in, in certain respects and she has to sell having sex with a car and then goes on to murder like 15 to 20 people um and still breathe some humanity for this person that you kind of somewhat relate to her in a really twisted sense um at least I did in certain respects, because like she is this kind of ostracized, you know, um, care kind of person, and you kind of feel this this weight um, of all these, you know, this trauma she's been through, and like this kind of, you know, not feeling like a human being. Like this movie does a really impressive sort of allegories that you know done through really absurd French extremist horror, um, and then you have Vincent London on the other hand who in my opinion, sometimes steals this movie in, in certain scenes he's in. He plays the the head of the firefighters that sort of finds her and takes her in, you know, thinks that she's his daughter and they, they form this weird symbiotic relationship and just like stunning kind of chemistry between the two of them because of how bizarre the circumstances are. Um, and just overall, I feel, I feel like the fact that these they sold it so well and you you feel this humanity. I feel like a lot of the this kind of life affirming aspects of this movie come from their performances and the reason why this movie kind of elevates itself. Um, and that that's just kind of a short way of saying I think this movie is just an absolute masterpiece. Um, I know Blair uh, of the Discord, uh, Misfit Pond Discord, would second that uh, sort of sentiment. But um, 
yeah, two performances cheating right enough, cheating right off the bat. But I absolutely love this movie. Um, uh, have you? I'm sure you've seen Titan. Um, oh yeah. You have any thoughts I, on it? I haven't seen it since the theater. Uh, but Titan, pretty much like I mean, yeah, it's only like two years old by this point, but pretty much a modern classic by this point. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I was actually gonna um considering putting that on my visually stunning um list but it, it didn't make the cut uh because I, I i felt like you you were gonna throw it on there and it was <laughs> but um amazing movie um two fantastic performances um that's i'm glad you pointed out how like physical the uh the actress um uh gives in, in the movie like the physicality is, is just you're so right i mean the stuff she has to do is pretty out there and just like just very very uh devoted if you don't if you didn't have the right actress for this movie i think it would kind of fall apart because it is right. just a, a brave and just um just really just arresting performance a lot of humanity even though she doesn't really like say much in the movie um you can like tell a lot by her facial expressions and obviously like um you know the stuff with the car and um it's just a lot of uh i mean it's definitely a, a body horror movie for sure like a lot of uh just really uh, intense close-ups of of her just doing all these just cr- just crazy stuff throughout. Um, but great yeah. movie, and the the father figure, the firefighter. Um, mm. I remember him also giving like a fantastic performance. So yeah, I mean, I love Teton myself, even though I, I have only seen it one time. I love to um, give it a rewatch because it that one experience I had in the theater definitely stuck with me. Same here, man, and you know. You, I, you mentioned body horror like this movie is really a 21st century you know cronenberg yeah. you know about a lot of people compared to crash which is one of my favorite movies um period so i i'm very much this movie was kind of made for me in certain ways but um you did mention visually stunning i did want to quickly mention like the opening shots of this movie where she's going through this sort of auto show kind of strip whatever's going on right um this crazy club that she's in and like the camera's like I can't even describe what was going on, but like it's like spinning and kind of just like really fiercely whipping around this room. And it's like one of the most just arresting, you know, moments in that movie. And I just remember like seeing that in theater for the first time, like, wow, we're like in for something really special and like different. Um, And like Julia Docorneau, similar to Eggers and uh, Glazer, I think is one of our most exciting new filmmakers. So like I, whatever she makes, I'm, I'm there for it. So I completely um, agree. I, I did see Raw, um, I think like twice before I saw Titan in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I wasn't huge on it, but Titan honestly just gave me a lot more respect um, for Ducarno as a as a filmmaker, just how brave she is. And just, um, she, she, she'll just show you like exactly what she wants to show you. I mean, she's a fearless filmmaker just from those two alone. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what she does next. She's definitely one of the up and coming filmmakers like Eggers, like you said, that I am most excited for. Um, yeah forget that movie won the palm door um sometimes oh, wow. just love how just, just just insane it is like it's just not one not a movie i think like palm door winner but i'm i'm totally happy i'm not complaining <laughs> totally happy yeah. because uh it does have uh like amidst like all the carnage and just crazy like car stuff there's just a really amazing like beating heart to that movie that i think capture the hearts of like a lot of viewers just very clearly mm-hmm. amazing pick. Classic. thank you i was just gonna bring that up like I, this might be our only palm door talk in this whole episode because like, it's insane that that movie you know in certain ways won 
the the palm door and i was i remember i mean in these days if a movie wins the palm i'm like automatically like uh, interest fascinated and really want to see it like i can't wait to see anatomy of a fall uh, when that comes out as well um and this is one of the more out there like palm winners i could think of in the past like decade or so so if if, if you haven't seen it out there definitely it's it's worth a watch if you could stomach a lot of fucked up uh content i would say <laughs> um awesome. yeah for sure man uh you're number uh four yeah my number four, I, I actually, Pony, I was almost going to do this thing because my next pick is kind of has a dual performance, kind of like has like a back and forth performance, but I, I chose one and it is Choi Min Sik, forgive my pronunciation, from I Saw the Devil as the main. I thought of this too. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, this is also kind of like Titan, pretty much a modern classic by this point. And Choi Min Sik. Um, from old boy fame, um, class act, his portrayal of a psychopath, just this complete, just deranged lunatic in this movie is completely unforgettable. I don't think I saw the devil is like by any means a perfect movie. I do have my gripes with it, but he and um, his uh, co-star, um, the the yeah. Agnes we, we follow, who's on this bloody path of revenge, they work magic together. They're back and forth um like the cat and mouse game they have throughout this movie is really something to behold and um that's it's a long movie but i think like it's one of those like very long like two and a half hour horror movies where i i kind of don't want it to end because it is you just love seeing like both of these characters not just the villain kind of like lose their mind and um choyman sick just delivers just so well Mm. like just this most unhinged just disgusting um scum of a person and um kind of seeing him like escape but also kind of like relish and like um the protagonist like uh, a pursuit of him is real is super unforgettable and um i'm not gonna say it's like fun to watch because this is just a very intense movie um but he is kind of like the actress in titan so devoted to this role of a villain and he goes he goes places where most actors i i think wouldn't there's some very so scenes that just involve so much bravery for and commitment from the actors that he he does it just effortless, effortlessly and um i think it's one of the most unforgettable performances um just in a horror movie like especially if we're talking villains um i i forget his name in the movie i, I apologize but he mm-hmm. is choi min sik is incredible and in i saw the devil so that is my number four pick Wow, we're on the same wavelength because that was like that was like in my honorable mention list actually. Um, and he's we're all pretty high on old boy right now, at least I am, because it was had that re-release in theaters and kind of reminded me he's like one of the greatest actors, living actors on the planet, in my opinion. Um, and like I saw the devil is such uh because he pretty much has to embody this unrelenting, you know, satanic figure. You know, a lot of Korean horror movie to me is like feels like it's reflective of like like the devil in certain ways because like the movies are so just hopelessly bleak and they feel like almost like religiously like stripping away someone's like all their humanity until they become a monster and like that movie you know the duality of their performances just like you said just works so perfectly um and i agree not a perfect movie i feel like it's really bloated and somewhat repetitive at times but like if there's one thing i could recommend it's like the performances um and they're sort of like weird telepathic kind of uh relationship that they form is so crazy um um i haven't seen it in quite a while have you seen it recently i meant to revisit I it. it 
recently, but some movie I, I threw on because I've seen it like many times. I've seen it like three or four times. Um, I love it. Um, I think mm. it's in prep this, despite its content, pretty rewatchable. And um, just for the performances alone, it's just such an incredible, like kind of cat and mouse experience. Just um, again, like the duality of the performances are amazing. Just, they just, both of these actors um, just give it completely their all. It's, it's just kind of a hard one. I think to choose just one or the other, because they both, both the lead actors do a phenomenal job, I'd say, just so much physicality yeah. and uh, emotion, especially towards the end. There's a lot of um, just really memorable uh, facial acting. Yeah, um, my God. Just the sweat is just like just coming down so much. And it, it is just, I don't know, the, the final showdown of this movie, I think, is so memorable. And it's um, a great finale. I, the finale, if I had to highlight a part of this movie where the acting mm. shines, I think the finale, like the final kind of spoilers final showdown is yeah freaking amazing incredible i i have a distinct memory of the scene in the car do you know what i'm talking about where he kind of i don't want to spoil it but he like he's okay he stabs a guy like in the car and it's like it's insanely like the camera's kind of like spinning around and he sort of stabs this guy oh yeah yeah no no it's like yeah, it's like, I know exactly what's in. It's like sequences like that in that movie just like never get out of my head. Yeah. Um and it's like this weird like bit of slapstick mixed with just like absurdly gory uh sequences that it's just it's just you can only describe it as like South Korean horror. That's like Absolutely. the only way you could really put a put a label on it. So I, um, I definitely think it's like one of the most like visceral horror movies, honestly, probably ever made. I mean, it, it just yeah. on the other hand, it is gnarly to say the least and i i was blanking on that car sequence but um when, yeah. when you're talking about like, the spinning camera it, it just came back into my head that's <laughs> definitely a highlight of the movie there's so many just abs- mm. absurdly violent moments in the movie yeah um, there, i just remember my yeah yeah there is i just remember my jaw dropping and kind of like nervous laughter coming out of me because i'm just like how do they Cause like it was one of the it was an earlier Korean movie I'd seen and I was like they can get away with like certain things that just no American movie could do. Um, one of my favorite moments. Um, I I don't, I don't know if it was like around that part is um a scene involving like a military truck, uh with Choi Min mm. kind of like debating see if he's gonna kill somebody and yeah. like yeah it's, like, the military is passing by that that's definitely a moment. <laughs> that's, yeah. It has great stuff. Um, I'd, I'd love to revisit it too. Uh, one time. <clears throat> Speaking of unrelenting forces, my next pick, it's a weird one, but it's one I absolutely stick behind on a personal level. It's it's from one of my favorite actors of all time, Dennis Hopper. Um, and he so happened to be in uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which a very divisive movie. Um, <laughs> um, I talked about Toby Hooper earlier. Um, and just his approach to make the sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre a straight up comedy is a really bold choice, especially for him. The movie doesn't work for everybody. I don't even know if it personally works on my end, but I I, I love watching it to death. Um, and I feel like Dennis Hopper being like the heart and soul of sort of investigating the, the, the sort of plot of this movie is just so fun to watch. And he kind of has this. He has this outlandish style to like how he approaches this movie like he does in most of his films um but <laughs> to see him in a horror movie i it's just a gift to me like it's just so funny and like his <laughs> kind of 
this coked out drunk energy that we all know and love from him, you know, in the early eighties and this, you know, late seventies and whatever, um, bringing it to Toby Hooper's sensibilities, I think personally think is a match made in heaven. Um, and obviously the final showdown him fighting Leatherface with a chainsaw. It's just so fucking funny, dude. I just, I, this is like, I have nothing profound to say about this pick. It's just, I just could not say it since it's a personal list. Um, you know, the Texas Chainsaw movies, oddly enough, have breed a lot of great actors out of them. Like, I think the fourth one, a third of the fourth one has Viggo Mortensen in it. And then I think the fifth one has Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in it. And like really early performances. Um, and, you know, not not to say like this is their best work by any means, but it's like really fun for me to see A-list actors kind of entrenched in these this really, you know, backwoodsy just crazy world of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and you know what? I stand by it. I think Dennis Hopper is incredible <laughs> in this movie. He understands the tone. Um, he's having a great time. It's hilarious. It's, it's a full on comedic tour de force. So um, have you seen the movie? Do you, based on yeah. your reaction, it seems like you not a fan of it, but. Oh, no, not at all. Um, yeah. oh, no, I mean, I, I don't dislike the movie. I have seen it once. Uh, we actually did watch it on um for a movie night a very long time ago. Um, it, it didn't entirely work for me. The comedic element was definitely, um, unique to say the least, but, um, I didn't, I didn't hate it by any means. I actually do, um, remember one of my favorite parts of the movie is like that super iconic jump scare. Like, you know, the one, the kind yeah. of, uh, I, in, I forget what characters it was, but in like, the radio booth when they're, yeah, yeah the radio uh, booth. Um, that's, that's a great memorable moment for me. And um, I'm more than happy to like give Texas Chainsaw 2 a chance because I, I <laughs> love the first one so much. And um kind of kind of like knowing how like silly and I uh, can't be the second one is, I think I would I would go in like appreciating it like more, kind of like um, I don't know, letting my guard down. But I don't I don't even remember Dennis Hopper being in that one. So really? my, yeah. But uh, well, no, that's well, that's a cool pick. I mean, glad you're so like passionate about it because I, I mean, I know that movie does have a pretty loyal like uh, following, um, mm-hmm. just because of how distinctly uh, just different it is from the first one. It's just a complete, completely different movie. Um, I, I love that though. I I do love when um, just a whole like a director kind of like switches up their style and does something a little bit more like goofy like that. I think it's really admirable. Yeah, absolutely. It is just really very commendable on its own that like people even loved it so glad that's a really awesome pick love it thank you yeah, most people would make fun of me for mentioning that so i appreciate the <laughs> be you know and I, I feel like yeah i like the first time i saw it too like i was very uh i was a purist at the time you know quote-unquote purist where i was like you know bast it kind of bastardized the original by making fun of it but like as i get older you know I realize, you know, you shouldn't take certain things as seriously as you do. And then I'm like, this movie is just a fucking blast to me now. Um, you know, I, Sam Raimi did it with Evil Dead 2 pretty masterfully. And I feel, you know, this movie's not on that level whatsoever. But I feel like it's in that joyful sort of exuberant, you know, realm where, that you can watch it over and over and just have a blast watching it with your friends or whatever. So that, that's kind of why I picked it. I like, and Dennis Hopper specifically, I feel like, is the anchor to this movie. Um, and once again, he, you know, wields a chainsaw uh, to fight Leatherface. So if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. I mean, that um, sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> like, I love Dennis Hopper. I thought you were going to say like Blue Velvet. 
<laughs> but um, no, Dennis Hopper's the man. He's he's one of my favorite actors. I'd I'd go as far to say. Blue Velvet would be the 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 sane pick to 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 pick in that one, but I, uh, I don't know. It's not a bold pick. I, I, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that's like the same year that uh, I believe Blue Velvet or it was like around the same era. So the man was just firing on all cylinders. Anyway, I digress. Um, what's your number three pick? My number three pick. So this one might be a, a slightly controversial for those who've seen it because. I wouldn't exactly describe this as a horror movie, but th- it's more of like a psychological thriller. But this is a okay. movie, and with a sexual performance that really left a huge impact on me when I was a lot younger. Um, one of the original movies that really scared me. Um, like, just I'll get more into it. Uh, but my, num- my number three pick is Robin Williams in a one-hour photo. This oh, awesome pick. It's a great show. pick. Um, this is one of my favorite movies, uh, probably of all time. Um, I remember having this movie, like we had this as a family on like VHS. So this movie was on pretty like decent rotation in the household. Um, but, um, I never obviously like, like realized like how, um, just, uh, just different this performance was from Robin Williams in comparison to like all his, um, you know, the comedies we know and love from him until I got like a little bit older and like, um, I just knew more about filmmaking, but, um, what an incredible, like a uh, transformation I'd say from like, again, yeah. like, you know, like your, your Mrs. Doubtfires and like your, uh, dead poet societies, just all these, uh, great movies. Um, Robin Williams just gives like a performance that's just so creepy and so unsettling. Um, at times a little scary to me. Uh, the, the one moment that really gets me every time uh, is the, if you see the movie, you know, the dream sequence um, I'm referencing yeah. is one of the most unexpected jump scares in any movie ever, but it's not just like a, a performance of just like pure, just like, you know, at, um, just a shock and terror. This is a very um, subdued performance that kind of like may uh, about an outcast and you just see, over the course of the runtime, just like the crack showing and um, just like uh, the desperation of this character um, to kind of like be somebody, uh, but like society doesn't like understand them. And um, as you kind of like get to the conclusion, you, you realize what's been going on in this um, character's head. Uh, but Robin Williams gives it so much. He gives it its all in this movie and it's unlike anything he's ever done, anything he ever did. I don't, I don't think, I mean, <laughs> we'd probably say like goodwill hunting is like one of his best performances i'd go as far mm. this is like my favorite robin williams performance just because of how much it sticks out in his filmography just how how brave and um really unhinged it is. it is so captivating from start to finish i've seen it like just so many times just dozens of times and it just doesn't get old to me because um just like i some there's just some times where i can't even believe this is like the Robin Williams, you know, in love, it's just a completely transformative performance. Also, um, a visually stunning movie. The directing in this movie, yes. not to get too sidetracked, is phenomenal. And this is this is actually the pick um, where we were referencing a little earlier of uh, music video directors going yeah. to like film. Um, Mark Romanek. Yeah, he, Ro- yeah. Um, him and Robin Williams did such a great job in this movie. It's a very underrated movie. I know it's not on like everyone's list, but this one left um, a major impact on me. Definitely as I got older and I understood more about acting, how just mm. amazing this performance was and just makes me miss Robin Williams very, very dearly because he was really one of my childhood heroes. 
and um, mm-hmm. shaped a lot of what I loved about film, like film and just movies. So rest in peace, just phenomenal mm-hmm. performance all around. Absolutely, rest in peace. Um, I I would tend to agree. I think that is maybe my favorite performance that um, he ever gave. Um, at least the most impressive and just impactful that he ever had on me. Um, that movie is mad underrated, dude. I think it's like a really, as you mentioned, visually stunning, but like such a deep, deep, you know, character study about alienation and like this kind of longing that this character has is like really, really palpable in that movie. Um, and another stunning also directorial debut by mark romanick like he's oh, this is the date i didn't even know this was a debut that i could be wrong because i know he, he mainly did music videos like i know he did like that nine inch nail video um 99 problems is like his most probably well-known music video with jay-z oh. um that was actually vincent gallo i think but not, not to get too sidetracked are you serious are you sure yeah no vincent gallo i'm pretty not again not to get sidetracked but i think he directed that one Vincent okay. Gallo directed 99 Problems. Yeah, because he's in the video himself on for like a frame. Um, I'll fact check that later. But we we might have to fact check that because I swear things like I used to have a Mark Romantic uh music video compilation and 99 Problems was on that. So I'd be anyway. But he's <laughs> anyway. incredible visual stylist. Um, and Robin Williams like anchors that movie just so like he adds such a bizarre tone to that movie that i don't think would exist without his performance that's you know it's a it's a really weird blend of empathy and just complete terror um I so I, it's just crazy good um also like the the way this uh, movie like uses color as a, yeah. like it's like represent like the state of mind of uh sai um as he's known in the movie is really amazing like uh Stunning, like, yeah the, the, like the like the one moment that kind of like always blows my mind is when he's kind of like um towards like the middle of the movie when he's breaking down a little and he's in the red room and just it's just like in the corner it's just such a haunting image and um i can't like i, I cannot believe it's robin williams at times his performance is always just sucks me in so much it's unforgettable yes. stuff um all around but again like you said a wonderful blend of like really really creepy and like unsettling but also really like um almost touching you feel like so sorry for the guy and yeah. um, you get that phenomenal monologue in like the very last minutes. Uh, oh boy! Like, just I don't know, writing, just bringing the message of the movie home—not the message, but like the character home. The theme of the movie, yeah, for sure. Movie, it's it's heartbreaking. It's just so just so many plates he's spinning at once in this movie, and um, by the time you reach the end, you're mm. just like, wow, what a performance! It yeah. is, you know, and I I also the scene that always sticks with me is when he breaks into the family's house who's he's you know semi-stalking um he he becomes obsessed with um and when he kind of starts pretending to like be a surrogate for you know living their life and everything it's like really terrifying but again also just really heartbreaking stuff um and like robin williams sort of portrayal of those themes is really masterful um yeah i'm glad i haven't talked about the movie in a long time it's it's really impactful so i'm glad you really thought outside the box because i not I would not have thought about that movie as a horror movie but it works because it is genuinely pretty terrifying stuff so yeah i'm saying yeah. i mean that one dream sequence especially like that is yeah yeah i they still i know there's probably scarier but that scare in particular like i i it's not it does not as impactful for me because i think i've seen worse but when I first saw that, like the, the just the shivers I got up my spine are <laughs> just stick with me to this day. It's 
So I, I'd consider it a horror just in my heart because it um, absolutely therapy. Yeah. I, I agree, it. man. I mean, even the visual style of this movie is very horror adjacent because like there's you know the red room where he's doing the photographs and like I remember the grocery store is like this really weird green like tint to everything. Yeah. Um is is a very psychologically yeah, there you go. Really exactly. psychologically penetrating movie. So I would I definitely would say it counts. Um even like I'd say like the opening just almost gives me like very just distinct like Texas chainsaw vibes with like yeah, the yeah, yeah. of like like the 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 photo flash. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, just super creepy, just off the gate. I I love it to death. I I cannot get enough of it. I know some people think it's just like all right. I think it's mm. just a wonderful movie all around. Just super rewatchable. I can throw it on any day of the week. And yeah, I so. agree. I agree. Great pick, man. Um, my next pick will be. I don't want to rank these, but I think this would be my number one horror performance. Um, in my book, I think the actress in question should have won an Oscar for this performance. Um, And I'm talking about Sissy Spacek in Carrie from 1976 is Carrie directed by Brian De Palma, obviously based on the Stephen King adaptation, really famous book. Um, So I had read the book prior to seeing this film. Um, I was a huge Stephen King fan in high school, like a lot of, you know, horror fans were. And I, I got to say, like, Sissy Spacek's portrayal of Carrie is exactly how I envisioned her um, in the book um, when I was sort of uh, picturing what she would look like. It's, like, picturesque. It's it's Sissy Spacek. But not only that on a personal level, but also just the things, her transformation in, in this movie, um, it's just astounding to me, you know. And, you know, starting the movie off in this very vulnerable way, you know, he starts the movie off in the shower everyone's naked and she's kind of being terrorized it's like it's one of the more like i guess a controversial uh way to start a movie but also like one of the best character introductions i would say for a character to sort of understand her this sort of alienation that he she has but also this terror that you know of being bullied in the school and all that stuff um but what really really sells it for me um is the relationship with her mom and those scenes that they have together are just like feel insanely lived in while at the same time being that's you know Stephen King um and Brian De Palma for that matter that sort of you know heightened 70s manic style um which was you know why we love 70s filmmaking it's you know finding the humanity uh in really crazy <laughs> um and and heightened situations and Carrie like I think it's like a perfectly paced and thought and you know well realized horror movie. I think Brian De Palma is one of my favorite directors, and I feel like the adaptation was just done flawlessly. And not to mention the famous you know final scene. You know, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Carrie, but the prom sequence is just intoxicating, just like one of the most well edited, well acted sequences in any horror movie I can think of. Um, and there's barely any dialogue; it's all in her face and all in her physicality, um, and just again the transformation that Sissy Spacek goes through in this in this film is just remarkable and I think should have won her an Oscar um for that film I think it's just you know if if the Oscars had celebrated genre movies back then like they do now somewhat I feel like it would have been a different story but um yeah it's it's probably my favorite uh horror performance uh, of all time so yeah Sissy Spacek 
Yeah, no, Carrie is unfortunately like a kind of a blind spot for me. I, I mean, I'm well aware of like Susie Spencer <laughs> in the movie and, you know, like the uh, legendary like prom sequence and like how it is. Well, you know, one of the great like coming of age horror movies. Um, but I mean, I can totally sympathize like what what you're saying just from just from like all the clips I've seen like over the years. Um, just with like the facial, ex- just on the poster alone, like the facial expressions are like uh, crazy. And um, I know yeah. she has like, that dynamic with her mom, like very abusive mother. Um, I've, se- I've seen like clips. I mean, I get, again, like blind spot. <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta get on it. But um, like the dynamic I've seen between her and her mother, and all those clips just seems like so, just freaking like visceral and just like so yeah. sad. So um, I just so I love sad. that horror movies where it is kind of like kind of like May or like one hour photo, just like character studies of these people that are just like completely like rejected by society um that that's like really um one of my favorite like uh angles to tackle a horror movie because you can just like relate to it um a lot just like um mm-hmm. the, to the alienation and like um it's just really like just really great statements on like what it means to like be a person despite like obviously like the kind of um more horror elements like um her like powers in the movie yeah uh, example but um i love that i definitely will get around to it eventually because i know it is carrie's just a very legendary horror movie it is and yeah obviously i'd recommend it um but yeah and you mentioned the coming of age part which is a big key to this movie because like it is it the movie is meant to sort of bring you back to that high, high school angst and you know those you know at least for me and a lot of other people those feelings of like there's budding feelings of puberty and alienation um, and anger towards the world. You know, it's like all encapsulated in this one character. Um, obviously, there's other characters, you know, ancillary characters around her. But like she is really the ticket to like all the emotions in this movie. Um, and she just does an incredible job at, at a really young age. You know, I, I know she did like Badlands and, a, you know, she's in Three Women uh, directed by Robert Altman. She's just a, such an incredible actress, you know, of her time. And I think this is like her crowning performance. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's really all I got on Carrie. I know a lot of people have seen it and love it, too. So, um, but yeah, definitely get on it, man. It's it's so great. So, I absolutely will. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. So um, You are next. <laughs> okay. So we're at number two. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, my number two is admittedly a movie I have not seen in a while, but the central performance of this movie definitely has stuck with me for a while. And it is Michael Rooker in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Nice. Um, definitely um, just one of the, like angst, one of the most, I think, searing like uh, portraits of like a serial killer just ever put to film. Like um, it's not a movie that's just very uh flashy just like kind of like your standard run-of-the-mill horror movie this is it's very much a character study um that just finds power in like the simplicity and like the calmness of this performance but um like the way uh michael Rooker in this movie carries out like these kills uh with like his um accomplice just so calmly um it just gives you the sense of this just soulless sense throughout the movie that's so creepy and I'm so unsettling and just really one of the most unforgettable like depictions of a serial killer I just ever seen in a movie. I mean, it is, I don't know too much about like the actual story that inspired it, but um, this performance just with like the facial expressions and like, again, like the calmness of it is just so unsettling and just um, 
I've, I've never really seen Michael Rooker in like too much other than this. That's like really impressed me, but um, it's, yeah. I think really a hard performance for the ages that I don't think enough people have seen, despite uh, Henry portrait of a serial killer being a very groundbreaking and a very controversial movie at the time it came out. Cause if you didn't know it pretty much uh, invented like the NC 17 rating because uh, yeah. um, it is so just nasty and just um, so real, but it's not over the top. It's very realistic. And um that's what makes it all the more disturbing. This movie, you just feel you're just like intruding on these kills. You're intruding on like, I wouldn't say like intruding, but like just really, you're almost like a fly on the wall at times, especially one scene involving uh, Henry and um, his friend. I forget what his friend's yeah. name. He also gives a pretty great performance. Um, watching a videotape of kind of spoilers of a home invasion. And I'll keep it at that. And their like commentary and like their, their banter uh in the scene is just so chilling and just, just so blood curdling there's also one part that always stuck with me where they they kill like two people in a car and like it cuts to the next scene of them just having like fast food that's also one yeah, yeah. that I, I just never forgotten just like you're just this evil just monster and just, just casually kind of eating food with your friend just after you just committed this horrible act it's right great performance there's i mean both of the central performances are great, but Michael Rooker, it's obviously his movie and like, it's basically just rests on his shoulders. So super memorable, super memorable performance, super bone chilling performance. Um, I love it. And yeah, it's my number two pick, Michael Rooker and Henry. Really good pick. I hadn't thought of it, but that's, that movie is very, very unsettling. And he, I feel like he brings this like weird, blue collar every man feel to this movie because like i feel like a lot of this movie rests on this idea that it's like your neighbor could be this person or like this man you see on the street could be like this deranged killer and i feel like he's just perfect casting for that because he's like he feels a little off kilter and he looks a little deranged but he could also just be an everyday you know blue collar guy um so it's like brilliant casting and he delivers just an incredible yeah, like you said, just like very unsettling looks on his face and all that stuff. And yeah, I haven't seen the movie in quite a while too, so I'm not super fresh on it. But I remember just being greatly impacted watching that movie. So and yeah, super gro- groundbreaking too. One of the early horror movies that I really went out of my way to seek out. Um, I I'm not as in love with it as I used to be. I mean, way back in the day, it's one of those kind of like formative movies for me that kind of like got me into sure. more extreme cinema. Um, so I've seen stuff that's like shocked me a little bit more, but this, the performance itself just makes the movie pretty unforgettable and just, I think more than recommendable if you want to see just like a really, just one of the most twisted character studies in horror. Cause it, it's very, again, it does not go over the top whatsoever. It's very real. And just, there's some, just some scenes where you just feel like you're a fly on the wall to these, uh, two killers. And there, yeah. there's also this like really, uh, bizarre moments just these very bizarre interactions like uh, one involving like um incest where like michael rooker just almost like explodes and just like um yeah just like cuts into the scene um it, i mean you don't go you don't get a lot of backstory to the killer you just kind of like uh get get what you hear but uh the implications from like his story like his monologues and like actions like that just like something like incest being like the line for him despite him being like um 
like this awful killer it, it's just really interesting and adds just some awesome layers to the movie that um make it worth go back worth going back to see over and over to just kind of peel back the layers of his like character absolutely agree um yeah i i i also have heard from other people that it doesn't hold up as well because like it is one of those formative kind of intense uh controversial movies that you get into when you're younger um i would like to revisit it though just to, based on his performance alone um and it is weird michael rooker never went out to do anything that extraordinary extraordinary after that you know um you know obviously he's worked with james gunn and, and stuff like that but i can't really recall any performances that are as impactful as that one so yeah i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so. i mean it's one Hollywood performance and one i we're still talking about you know to this day so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i can i can see the movie is kind of dated the soundtrack is like a little corny um, <laughs> i mean but it's again a fantastic character study i think that if you haven't seen right. it it's absolutely worth a look so yeah it's my number two great pick um my next movie is my second favorite horror movie of all time after texas chainsaw massacre which i'd previously mentioned and i adore the central performance in this movie and we are talking about videodrome by david cronenberg i know mike saw the spine earlier so he knew i was gonna bring this up um little you know cronenberg's a hard sell for a lot of people but personally is just my favorite horror filmmaker of all time um, one of my favorite directors, period, of all time. And Videodrome, to me, it kind of encapsulates everything I love about him, where he comments on society in a very, not in a very overt, you know, hammer, ham-fisted way, but, you know, he comments on the tabloid media and, and kind of our obsession with screens and our image of ourselves through that prism. And um, this movie is all seen through the eyes of an incredible lead performance by James Woods, um, who I do not endorse as a human being because um, he's unfortunately become a more, you know, pseudo incel person <laughs> these days. But that besides the point, um, he's incredible in this movie. He's absolutely incredible. He's this slimy television pr- producer who's kind of selling this idea of video drum. I don't want to spoil too much because I know Mike hasn't seen the film and whoever else hasn't seen it, but he embodies this sort of capitalistic, just insane person who's very driven by greed and will do whatever it takes to sort of sell this idea of Videodrome, you know, long live the new flesh, all that good stuff. And he, he's a slimy, I love slimy characters, um, you know, and you can see his imprint on um, this sort of unrelenting just force in this movie that really drives the themes of this movie home. Um, and I love movies, especially horror movies that use the, the allegorical, you know, nature of, of our obsession with certain things to tell a really disgusting and terrifying, uh, uh, movie about, you know, our existence and what, you know, Cronenberg always is fascinated by what human beings are impacted by that. No, normally are that are not normally discussed in other films. I feel like Videodrome is like the perfect embodiment of of body horror and and sort of allegorical uh, vital American um, issues that we dealt with at the time. And I feel like James Woods is the anchor, similar to what I, I've been saying. Like he really is just the surrogate to the audience, and that's a hard thing to do. 
in a very, very abstract movie like Videodrome. Um, sorry if this is also vague. It's hard to talk about Cronenberg if you haven't seen it. Um, but uh, just a performance for the ages. And I would say up there with one of the greatest performances in any Cronenberg movie. You know, Jeff Goldblum and the Fly is great. And uh, James Spader and Crash. There's a lot of them. But I think this is the crowned achievement uh, for any Cronenberg movie. So, yeah, that's about it for that one. <laughs> Oh, great pick. I mean, Cronenberg, I mean, legendary uh, horror director, probably like the king of uh, body horror. Um, sadly, again, a kind of a blind yeah. spot for me. I've only seen uh, History of Violence. And I saw The Fly when I was like a little kid. But uh, I mean, I remember really enjoying it. I've been really desperate to uh, give it a rewatch, especially for a spooky season. But um, yeah, great I film. admire how much you uh, love his movies, how you know influential uh, they are. Uh, to you and um yeah i mean videodrome just from like what you described seems to be just a a movie that's aged really well um at least from like a thematic uh point of view like like you said like yeah uh, for its analysis on like uh screens and like uh what like uh humans like obsess over um i love that like when a a movie is just not stuck in the past and um and it's just timeless so i'll i mean i've always wanted to see videodrome and yeah your passion for it um is giving me a push you know <laughs> love to hear that um one thing i want to say also is that like the safety brothers talked about this movie i remember in one video um and like in hindsight i could see that this movie had like a major impact packed on them like make creating characters like robert pattinson in good time or like or uh howard ratner in uncut gems because like they are these they kind of embody this greedy you know self-obsessed uh nature that that they're so interested in and i feel like james wooden's in videodrome is more of like a an 80s cronenberg-esque version of those characters so like that i always sell people on that like if you like character studies in the vein of safety brothers and i feel like you would really like videodrome so uh, i mean i'm a i'm a huge yeah. safety fan I, I didn't expect you to like make a comparison uh to them since their movies are obviously super different from uh, cronenberg but um oh absolutely yeah. yeah that that is right up my alley i love both of those um, movies. I mean, always interested, you know, in these like very deeply flawed characters um, that are very greedy. Obviously, you don't we don't condone them, but they're just yeah. so endlessly fascinating, fascinating to watch uh, their journey. Be that up or down, it's just really um, gripping stuff um, when you're just on the just from the perspective of this really mm-hmm. just like these sickening people. Um, yes, yeah. opens a window for just a, uh, something you just haven't seen before. So I love that. I love that comparison. It is, yeah. And like James Woods is that like he's the he's this slimy just kind of car wreck that you can't take your eyes off of. And I just I I love deeply flawed just scum bums, you know, that you watch on screen and totally. um, you know, so def you know, check it out. You know, if if you don't like Cronenberg. I feel like Videodrome could be the window into like appreciating a, a lot of his other movies to anyone out there who's, you know, have, has a tough time with him. Cause I, I really try to sell his movies more cause I feel like he's a very tough sell. You know, people really don't like crimes of the future and a lot of his later work, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, that's, that's my fourth pick is James Woods. Um, I think we're on our number fives. Yeah. Or number ones, I should say. Number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Number one, this might be a little anticlimactic, uh, you know, but um, right. when looking back on like legendary horror movies, I don't think you can make 
like a list without mentioning this movie. This particular movie has a lot of performances I could have chosen from. Um, it's from The Exorcist. Um, I could have gone with, um, you know, the actress who played Reagan McNeil or like Max von Sydow. Um, but I went with Ellen Burstyn in uh, The Exorcist as um, uh, my number one. Because uh, I think this, I haven't seen like a movie like, uh, you know, Rosemary's Baby, but like the the performance of like, you know, a mother um, just in like, in like panic and like um, kind of like fighting for her family is like one of my favorite um, like angles to like um, just study a character in a horror movie. And I think that, uh, Ellen Burstyn and The Exorcist is like almost like the apex of that, even though, yeah, towards the end, she doesn't get like a ton of screen time, the journey and like seeing like... Um, her basically break down and just like fight for her daughter in this movie is like so powerful. And like, um, it's just one of the huge reasons why I feel like the exorcist is so timeless and works so well. Cause you really, she makes you feel like you're there and like you're fighting, um, for her family too. Um, the, like her like cries and just like the screams in this movie and like some of the monologues, like, um, the one in particular where she's doing laundry and, and she's like, um, that's like not my daughter. Uh, up there um, is like so powerful and um, you just buy her so much. It's Ellen Burstyn. I mean, class act. I'd, I'd go as far to say one of my favorite actresses of all time. Um, wow. she's, I think she's given some of the best performances of all time with this, with the exorcist and like Requiem for a dream. She yeah. just notes so beautifully and um, just the, like the pain in her eyes, just in all the movies I've seen uh, where she has to go more emotional is so powerful and uh, so real um she just heightens everything she's in and again in the exorcist she just makes it more than a horror movie it just feels more like a family drama and um it's just in a, a tremendous performance i'd say uh one that just makes it even more compelling than like you know your, your standard run-of-the-mill horror movie it just makes it feel like so scary because it's so real so that's on uh, my final pick uh ellen burson and mm -hmm. the exorcist i think i mean about 50 years uh, celebrating 50 years of this movie this year and everything that's been said about her performance and just everyone in the exorcist it's just an incredible cast um this has been said to death but um she is the highlight for me and she is my last pick love that love that you highlight ellen burston who's one of our greatest actresses for sure um i'm ashamed to admit that i actually haven't seen the exorcist yet oh my God. which is deeply embarrassing i've got i've gotten flack a lot from people um and yeah it's embarrassing man i, I will i it's i can't say i'll watch it because like i've been saying that for five years but i will watch it before <laughs> this incredible. october because like william freaking passed away we got a new exorcist movie come blah 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 so i, I will rip the band-aid but yeah, 4k coming well 4k is already out i need to get my hands on that i wish i didn't have a physical copy for it mm-hmm yeah, that's right. They, there's a new physical release, which is cool. Um, but like you were saying about Carrie, though, I've seen a lot of the I've seen the certain sequences. I've seen imagery um, and I could tell that she's like has delivers a really towering, you know, realistic performance, um, which is great. You know, like kind of grounds the movie into reality and such a taboo, like crazy subject to tackle. Um, but yeah, again, embarrassing. I haven't seen the film. Um, I will. It's been on my list for far too long, maybe for like 10 years at this point. I've been just saying I'm going to watch it. So um, definitely a movie that took me yeah. like a while to warm up, even though it like, I mean, I think it honestly was just the hype and like, 
it's just, I mean, the exorcist, I mean, we all, everyone knows it. It's just one of them. It's possibly like the most influential like horror movie of all time. So the hype did um kind of impact like my initial experience, but I did watch it again very recently. Um, kind of knowing where the movie goes and like, it's it's not all just like uh you know oh no the power of Christ compels you like all like the exorcist action it's very much I see the exorcist as a family drama, and um Ellen it's that's a doing massive part to Ellen Burstyn I mean she really just makes us feel like just it's terrifying because it is so real like I said and um her performance is just so towering, um among a a cast that just does a tremendous job and just timeless movie just amazing movie. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not talking down on you if you're like, you haven't seen it. Like, I, I know there's plenty of people who haven't seen The Exorcist, but if you haven't, I mean, I mean, you got it, man. It's incredible. Um, just from an acting perspective too, just unforgettable stuff, really, truly, mm-hmm. truly terrifying, truly amazing. For sure. And I think you're right on the money. Like it is maybe the most influential horror movie, like right up there with The Shining. Like I always look at those two are like the kind of the alpha and omega of of horror movies for at least american horror so it's yeah again gotta get on it um are you is there any ounce of you that is excited to see the new exorcist movie directed by david gordon green being released this weekend at the time of this oh, recording this weekend uh, yeah it's out this weekend no. i believe <laughs> no <laughs> uh yeah, I, I can't say I'm very excited for it. If it's good, I mean I'll go see it. But uh what knowing what David Gordon Green David Gordon Green did to the Halloween franchise, I I, I yeah. can't be very excited. But um I mean Ellen Burstyn is back. So maybe she's she back. Have- yeah, she's the only <laughs> cast member that's back, I believe. So yeah. you know can I, can I read you a quote that William Freakin said about the new Exorcist movie? It's really funny. Sure. Um sure. he said, um let me see here. So the guy who made those new Halloween sequels is about to make one to my movie, The Exorcist. That's right. My signature film is about to be directed by the man who made Pineapple Express. I don't want to be around when that happens, but if there's a spirit world and I can come back, I plan to possess David Gordon Green and make his life a living hell. That's the most like William freaking thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, after he died, like uh, me, um, a cynic was over. Cynic the critic, um, Sander. Yeah, sh- shout uh, out. We were just like, um, just going back and forth about like William Friedkin, like watching some of his interviews. Like just yeah. God rest his soul. He was just super funny. Um, just love how unfiltered, uh, he was. Um, felt really bad that I, I wasn't more of a fan, you know, while he was alive. But mm-hmm. uh, that's, I, I just I basically heard that in his voice. Like he's. Completely hilarious, and I just I love I love William Friedkin. Rest in peace, legend. Did you and Xander watch the Nicholas Wenning Refn interview? Yes, that's what that's brought so- it up. Like as soon as he died, he's like, "You got to see this interview with uh, Nicholas Wenning Refn." It's the that's greatest like, thing ever. I, it's so funny, it's so it's, hilarious. I yeah, love it. It's great. Um, despite me not having seen The Exorcist, I got to say I'm a huge fan of. I mean, like I love Sorcerer and To Live and Die in L.A. Like I'm a massive massive fan of him as a director i just never have seen his his masterpiece yeah, um, I, so. I really want to see sorcerer that's like the next freaking um oh my yeah it's incredible dude i think uh, it's playing on on big screens and it, it is here in los angeles but I, I don't know if it might be playing in other ones nationwide because there's that new print of it that's out so oh, i don't I know. know maybe look out for that i highly recommend seeing it like on the biggest screen 
possible. It is visually just a treat. So, so yeah, we love freaking uh, rest in peace. Um, and Ellen Burstyn too. Yeah. She's incredible. Requiem for a dream is one of the greatest performances ever, in my opinion. Um, absolutely. Um, all right, man, I will, I will finish this off here. Um, and I, I will also say mine is a little anticlimactic for different reasons, mainly because it's a very personal choice as has most of mine have been. So what else is new? But it's a movie I quite love a lot um, from director Sam Raimi, who is one of my favorite horror directors out there. Um, and it's not the one you might think because Bruce Campbell's been talked about enough. So I want to highlight Drag Me to Hell nice. Uh, nice. with Alison Al- Lohman's performance in this as the lead character, uh, as Christine Brown. Um, I think a super underrated horror movie, even though people talk about it, you know, a good amount, you know, like I feel like people's initial or their, you know, long lasting take on this movie. It's like, oh, it's like kind of a spiritual, you know, horror movie that in the vein of Evil Dead. Um, in, in many ways, it is because it's very crazy and comedic. Um, but I think this movie has a very, very uh, great subtext about, you know, feminism, because like this character, um, if you haven't seen the film, she's kind of she's working the shitty uh, bank job. And she's being sort of ostracized by all the men at this bank job. She's dating Justin Long and he's sort of pressuring her, pressuring her to further her career at this bank. Um, and she's so she's kind of this like ideal feminine character that's kind of being pushed down by the world. And it takes like this kind of curse that she gets from this old lady to sort of bring her up and face all of these this patriarchy that she's dealing with. And I think it's just, just such an incredible, you know, take on that subject matter because you know you see feminist horror movies you know i think of like the the black christmas remake that came out a few years ago which was so on the nose and crazily you know you know i would say too forward thinking it's in in its ideas you know which with ideas that i agree with but i feel like drag me to hell is like a more nuanced uh comedic take on that stuff which to me like i feel like we could be more accepting and and digest these ideas that he's puts forth, you know, when they're not being ham fisted at you, like a lot of other horror movies do. Um, but yeah. Like, and her, I got to talk about her performance. Like, I think she's, she nails just like the absurdity of Sam Raimi almost as well as Bruce Campbell does in the evil dead movies. Cause like, I feel like she has to feel like a real person in this movie. And she just, she sells every bit of this movie, in my opinion, you know, like the feeling of being, alienated by her peers but then all the way towards the end when she's um trying to get rid of this curse in, in any way she can and it's more of a heightened you know Raimi-esque horror you know tone that we all love from the evil dead movies so i feel like it's just so multi-layered and no one ever talks about her per- per- performance unless they're a massive fan of the movie like myself um so anyway uh have you seen this movie uh at yeah. all I have. I've seen it yeah. twice. It, it, it has been a little while, but um, mm. like like you said, I mean, I, I never even caught on to like the um feminist like subtext of the movie, but um, I can definitely like looking back on it now, I can definitely see that. But um, I remember that performance so much. Again, like we said for, for like the physicality, of the performance, just like how yeah, just all the scenarios she has to go through, and um, I don't know, just seeing like her life fall apart because of this. Uh, curse is just such a such a blast to see and uh, i don't know if she's been in anything else but um i did not really love that performance from what i remember of it 
And uh, yeah, I, I love Drag Me to Hell. I think it's um, one of Raimi's most memorable movies. I wouldn't say it's like above like Evil like Evil Dead Two or anything like that, but um, it's close. And um, absolutely, yeah, I really really enjoy that movie. Yeah, and I, I physically, you're right. I forgot to mention that because like she has to fight off an old lady in this movie. It's like that car scene, like the yeah. scene with the parking garages. Exactly. Yeah amazing love that scene so good like it's yeah. again it's like the slapsticky horror that Raimi does and she has to sell that but like this movie is so grounded like it's it's meant to take place in like real life Los Angeles um and you have to feel like you said her world crumbling apart like and I think it all rests on her shoulders to like de- deliver this lived in performance like within the confines of a Sam Raimi horror movie which I think is insanely hard because like see Bruce Campbell's incredible and in Evil Dead too but not once do you think like oh I can picture this guy like on the street or like he doesn't feel like an authentic person as much as I love him, love him so much. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's incredibly impressive what they pulled off with that movie. And and like Raimi and I just want him to just do more horror movies in general. Um, it's really sad what his career has become, but I would love to see him come back and just do more drag me to hells, you know, just do stuff in that vein. I'd be so happy. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah wonderful pick i mean i didn't i didn't even cross my mind um thinking about like performances because again shame on me even like just forgetting about it but that's a i mean a performance that like really emphasizes like slapstick but also like um just this uh reality of uh women who's just her life is completely being torn apart um but i'm so glad you shouted that out because that that is a super fun horror movie super underrated i think even for like fans of raimi um, I know that, like those who've seen it like really enjoy it, but um, just the the fact that it even works like the like yeah. that Raimi can bring um like his trademark like um just kind of a slick slapstick horror style to like a real life setting, but not make it like feel like crap, not make it feel like yeah. over like over the top in a bad way is really commendable and just goes to show like his talents as like um just like a filmmaker um as a whole like um yeah. it's pretty shocking like to think the movie does is as entertaining and uh works as well as it is um again a massive part to the uh performance of the lead actress because she do- does do like a wonderful job 100 percent agree yeah i it's it's so hard to do horror comedy to begin with you know like even injecting comedy into horror and pulling it off but to what he does, it's like it's such a crazy balancing act to to make Evil Dead too. Like, I don't know how the hell you're able to pull that off if you're not Sam Raimi. So, I just I'm in awe of his work as a horror director, particularly. So, so yeah, man, that really wraps it up um, for our, our our list there for horror movies. I know it was pretty all over the place in terms of the content, but I feel like we got some really I really enjoyed talking about it with you, man. Um, so but also i wanted to do one last bit here before i let you go um not horror related but i know you and i in the discord we talk a lot about movies that we are looking forward to seeing to the ends of 2023 23 excuse me and i just wanted to like talk about them with you real quick because like i I feel like um there's so many great movies coming out um and i might have to pull out my list real quick but like what what are like the big movies that you cannot wait to see towards the end of the year because i know we talked about it briefly but i want to i want to talk about it on mic a little bit so um what are you looking forward to 
My number one most anticipated. I mean, if you're in the Discord, this is not a surprise, but um, <laughs> by uh, Jonathan Glazer. Um, mm-hmm. I am unbelievably excited for this movie. Um, the reception coming out of like the film festivals, um, the fact that it won the Grand Prix at Cannes, uh, and and the fact that it's it's Glazer's first movie in a decade, which thinking about like Under the Skin being ten years old is pretty terrifying. Crazy, um, right? Yeah. It seems like he's reinventing himself um almost complete like this it's not like another under the skin this is like it's like a historical um drama with a super experimental edge so zone of interest is definitely like the one where i'm just constantly seeing like where where's the trailer like where where is it like i know right what's going on but um that's probably my number one um Mm. i'm looking forward to a movie called uh hundreds of beavers which is yeah um i don't know how how much uh, Buzzer is from the movie, just from like the general movie circles. But um, from what I've been told, again from like festival circuits, hundreds of beavers seems like something super up my alley. Just very uh, um, absurd slapstick, almost like from what I saw in the preview, almost reminds me of like I don't know, like Looney Tunes or like Kung Fu Hustle. It looks crazy. Way. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait for I've that either. Heard of the filmmaker, um, Mike Cheslick. Uh, but from, I follow him on Instagram and he seems very, very passionate about this project. So that's very, awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited for hundreds of beavers anatomy of a fall, obviously the Palm door winner. From mm-hmm. this um, that looks incredible. Uh, uh, I might see that actually this coming week. Uh, they're doing early screenings here in LA. So I might actually get a chance to, I'm so fascinated by that movie. It looks really, really interesting. Um, I don't know much about the, director justine trite triet uh, yeah i don't know anything about her either but uh the fact yeah a little known director like won the palm door i think it's absolutely worth seeing and like supporting um yeah totally absolutely uh, but uh, besides that like um poor things obviously i mean i think we're all excited poor things very very hyped up for that um i mean yorgos is one of those directors who really hasn't missed since he's been in the mainstream. Um, and that, that kind of looks like it's kind of might be his magnum opus. If you ask me, just kind of is it not only his biggest budget, but it seems like he's working with ideas that are just, just so personal and, and just really out there. I just cannot wait to see it. Um, you know, a, a weird one that we, we both talked about, I remember was the sweet East with yes. uh, with our boy uh, Simon Rex, who I'm, I'm really really high on because I just revisited Red Rocket a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm fucking love that movie so much. So I just can't wait to see him in that movie. But also Sean Price Williams, who's directing it, is you know he shot a lot of the Safdie brothers' movies and um, stuff like that. So I that's just a cool little indie movie. I can't wait to see um, just based on the people that are involved with it for sure. Um, Literally, I mean, that movie definitely uh, falls into that, like, you know, like that Alara Studios category, if you're in that loop, like the Safdie Brothers uh, production company, um, 60 <laughs> millimeter, very looks from the, there's only like one clip of it online, but it looks like very like Cassavetes and from the sound yeah. of that, that, that's completely my thing. I'm a huge Me too. Cassavetes fan. Um, I cannot wait. And Rex, I mean, just continuing this really amazing streak of independent <laughs> movies and I'm, I'm all here for it. Um me yeah. too, man. Remotely sound related is my thing. Yeah, any Alara like Funny Pages was a movie I quite liked last year, and that was Alara produced. Um, so I cannot. Yeah, everything they do that umbrella is is really great. Are you looking forward to Agro Drift at all by yeah. Mr. Harmony Kareen? <laughs> <For sure. laughs> 
<laughs> kind of more as a, as a, you know, as a meme. But, you know, I, I legitimately will always see, like, anything like Corinne touches. Uh, for better or worse, I mean, I wouldn't say he's sure. one of my filmmakers, but I don't think there's there are many filmmakers as um, unapologetically themselves as Corinne. So anything he touches, I'd say, is worth checking out at least once. And Agro Drift looks looks special to say the least I, I can't wait to see that the, the reception from like venice and like all the festivals is just hilarious to me so hysterical yeah, I we all gotta see it um travis yeah. scott as zion is his portrayal of zion whatever that means i uh, yeah uh, i agree uh what else looking at the list um those are kind of like the big ones yeah there's like, um, a couple documentaries actually um i've been watching like a lot of documentaries like over the past year and it's honestly become like one of my favorite genres oh nice there's one called the contestant which i'm very excited for um which is about like the story about uh if you know the story about like a, this japanese game show that uh uh like took uh this contestant who uh oh, yeah. to be a comedian and um i've, the, I've uh, watched the video on that yeah yeah it's a very tragic story without going too far because there's a lot but um Fred Armisen is narrating it, which I think is very interesting. And the reception huh. is very, very warm to it. Um, but I mean, I already know the story, but I'm very excited to see it like, on the big screen, like explored a little more. So like the contestant is kind Absolutely. of like, underdogs. I'm excited to see. I want to see that too. I didn't know they were making a documentary about that subject because I, I remember seeing a video about it and it was really tragic stuff. So I, I that a deep dive would be really cool. Um, the boy in the heron is one I, I cannot wait for. I obviously mean Miyazaki is one of my favorite directors out there. So that goes without saying. Um, all of his strangers also is another one by Andrew Haig. Haig? Andrew Haig, the guy who did yeah, Weekend. Yeah, that's one with uh, freaking um Paul Mescal. Paul Mescal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was so, really good. And the reception for that one is pretty like off the charts right now. The supposed to be an Oscar contender. Absolutely, yeah. Andrew Hyde movie. Um, I've never seen like Weekend or any. Oh wow, he's he's up your alley, man, for sure. Um, yeah, he's an incredible modern director, and I'll see anything that uh, I mean, most things that Paul Mescal will. He's one of the most exciting young actors we got for sure. Um, the last one I want to mention is actually a movie called the The Taste of Things. I don't know if you heard of that movie. Um, it came out of Cannes, and it was like. So it's a movie about a, a cook. It's kind of like a blend. It's like oh. food, food movie blended with the romance with Julia Binoche. Um, and that's like a movie that the reception of that movie is like insane. Like people are saying it's one of their favorites of the year. I don't know if it's going to get a release till 2024. Unfortunately, I'm not sure. But I I mean, I'm a big food movie person. So I am just very much looking forward to that on a personal level. It just looks really sweet, really tender. Um, Julia Binoche, one of my favorite actresses. So, um, that's yeah, I cannot wait for that movie. Um, I know the director that uh, he actually took home uh, best director at uh Cannes uh, this year for uh, that movie. So that oh that, no way okay yeah yeah it did so you know it's gonna look really good. It's probably gonna be like a little bit um out there uh, direct direction wise. Um, uh, that's one of my favorite categories uh, at Cannes. Like whenever somebody uh wins best director, it's just always like kind of like, shoots up on my list um and the fact that it's a cooking movie just makes it even more yeah. interesting I, mean, I love cooking i love I, super like cooking movies too me too man it grips me right, right away um but that's about it man i mean 
Killers of the Flower Moon goes without saying. Um, I don't, you know, David Fincher's movie, Michael Mann has a movie. Um, a lot of greats this year. Well, it's a stacked year. It um, is, especially the final like three months is going to be really like every week. I feel like it's going to have a movie that I'm pretty enticed to go to go see. So I'm, um, any hype for Wonka? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I forget about like Zone of Interest. I mean, I I can't wait for Wonka. It's gonna it's gonna blow my mind. It's I mean, I can't wait. It looks so good. It's incredible. The reactions of every trailer in the theater is like my favorite thing. It's like it's a lot of people gushing like genuinely, then people are like just downright disgusted. Yeah. And I just I'm just here for any reaction. It's good. It's gonna be a beautiful disaster. I can't wait. We gotta it just looks like Harry Potter like B sides, but in like the worst way possible. It's just like uh, I, I don't want to talk about it. No, it's it's yeah. we don't have to. I just wanted to say that Timothy Chalamet's like deliveries are some of the 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 funniest things i've seen all year just like every line he delivers in the trailer it's like a disastrous like beautiful disaster that i can't look away from but but yeah anyhow um thank you for coming on man it was a i had a great time shooting this shit with you about horror and and all that stuff so thank you um for i think it's your third time coming on yeah that's you know you did the comfort movies you did the the 90s and now this and of course you're welcome back anytime um any final words anything you want to plug for yourself in your letterbox or anything um i I, I want to say um no major plugs (laughs) um yeah thank you for having me it's always a blast to come on here and talk about a lot of movies it just mean a lot to me and um i don't know, get more insight into movies i haven't seen so yeah always a blast mm-hmm. likewise man um we'll do another episode real soon um and yeah again look out for more horror movies uh horror episodes i should say coming out in october um and everyone enjoy your spooky season uh appreciate you listening and we will see you later bye